avoid admissions where that's possible and safe. A court heard a doctor who worked at hospitals in Buckinghamshire indecently assaulted young girls, thinking no one would believe a child over him. 79-year-old Michael Salmon from Salisbury is accused of three counts of rape, 11 of indecent assault and two of using an instrument to cause a miscarriage between 1973 and 1988. More from Jane Killick. The prosecution claims Salmon would examine girls while they were either screened from their parents or the parents were outside the room. He indecently touched them, sometimes on the pretense of listening to their heart or carrying out an examination for which there was no medical need. Salmon, who worked at Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Aylesbury and the Royal Buckingham Hospital, denies the charges. The economy and reforms to the European Union are expected to be the focus of talks between David Cameron and Angela Merkel in Downing Street today. Police have released CCTV images of a woman after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse at Northwood Station near Watford. The incident which started on a train happened last November. British Transport Police say the abuse was entirely unprovoked. And the Bank of England has released documents from 2007 which suggest that its board of directors had no idea a financial crisis was looming. The minutes show that the board thought the regulatory system was working well. Figures to be released today are expected to show that new car sales reached a 10-year high last year. My cause is the chief executive of the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Trade. First of all, economic confidence, which is driving people back into the showrooms. Secondly, when they get there, there's some very attractive finance packages. And when they see some of the new models, which have increased technology around connectivity and improved fuel economy, which means a new car is often cheaper to run than, than an older one, all of these things contribute to improved sales performance. In sport, a stoppage time equaliser gave Everton a one-all draw attempt to West Ham in last night's FA Cup third round tie. And Stevenage have confirmed the permanent signings of Tom Conlon and Michael Richens from Peterborough after loan spells. The weather dry with sunny spells this morning, but some rain this afternoon. A maximum temperature 8 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Opening the doors on the biggest advent calendar in beds, hearts and bucks. Let's see who's behind door number 17. Hello, I'm Paul Scoynes, the political reporter. I suppose my favourite Christmas memory is back from the early 80s when I was a few years old. And uh, it was one of those Christmases where it used to snow. We'd been given sledges, my brother and I, for Christmas. And uh, we went to Campbell Park in Milton Keynes and spent the mornings going up and down. And it was just a lovely morning spent with our brand new sledges. Building up to Christmas, only eight days to go with BBC Three Counties Radio. I think it's disgusting. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. You want it louder? Yeah. I'll give it to you louder. How about that? Is that you? No. Is that you? No, oh, that's me. Oh. oh, can you do turn that back? I'll turn that back. How about, is this you? Do mine. Is that you? Oh, that's nope. me again. Oh, hang on a minute. Honestly. Um, well, hang on. Well, right. Um... How about this? How about this? How about this? Is that you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you felt that? I'm refusing to read the menu you've written today because right, well, it's bloody it. awful. I'll read it. No, it's not. It's genius. It is not genius. It doesn't work. I saw, saw the creative process, and I use that term very loosely, <laughs> at work, and it was embarrassing, mate. You <laughs> read this. You tell me what's coming up. Give me the um, bed music. Oh, flipping it. Hang on a minute. Right, hang on. Another professional start to the show. Another award in the bag. Right, here we go. 
good morning. You're listening to the Ian Lee Show here on BBC hey, Three Counties Radio. We're going to be playing Zabadak in a minute by Dave D. Dozy. What Which you think is racist. Well, I think that they're uh, talking gobbledygook over an African drum beat. It's a little bit risky these days. Anyway. Read the menu. Stop ad-libbing. Aside from racist 60s music, we'll be talking hospitals, homophobes and hoiled-up hunks going at it mano a mano in three-minute bursts. <laughs> This doesn't work on any level at all. She is good, though. Bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, okay. I don't know what that means, hoiled up hunks. Hoiled isn't even a word. You've just done it so it begins with H-O. Yeah. Like homophobes and hospitals. Yeah, exactly. Artistic licence. <laughs> when did this show get a licence? Uh, or art? Oh. 49 years to the day since uh, Titch met Dave yeah, D. Dozy. Hi. Sorry? No, it's not. It's, it's by coincidence we were talking about them, and it's also, I've just Googled it, 49 years to the day since Dave... Where did they meet? Sorry? Where did they meet? In the okay. 60s. Since I know, but Titch, whereabouts, though? At the Two like Eyes Coffee Bar. Oh. One of them owns the rights to television. Thanks very much. <laughs> no, like mu- music no, that no, no, they don't. Something like that. That's Dave Clark from the Dave Clark Five. Oh, they, is he not in this? No, he's in the, he's in the Dave Clark Five. Dave D is in Dave D, Dozy, Beaker, Mick and Titch. Different Dave. Oh, Dave D is one person. Dave D. Oh. There's no girls in it. I thought there was Dave. D. There was D. No. His there girlfriend. Was, there was Dozy <sighs> off of Snow White. Imagine being Dozy. Right, we've got nicknames. Why am I Dozy? Why am I Dozy? What do you think? Why am I Beaky? Why am I Titch? Come on, Titch. Stop being... Stop being so angry. I'm not in a bad mood. All right. Now, you think this song is racist? <laughs> I don't really. I do a bit. <laughs> Let's find out. Dave D, Dozy Beak and McIntitch special this morning and their hit single, Zabadak. Oh, I see what you mean.
Happy birthday to Mick. From Dave, D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch. What, he's wished it himself? 74 years old today is Mick, so happy birthday to him. That's wonderful, isn't and it? And that, my friends, is the start of the problems they had in yeah, the 70s with yeah. rubbish music. I've forgotten quite um, what a cacophony... Cacophony's a bad noise, yeah? Yes. I've forgotten quite what a cacophony that was. <laughs> but don't worry, it's Dave, D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch day today. Next stop, the legend of Xanadu. There we go, there we go. <laughs> Don't take drugs, kids. Now, the people who run the NHS in Bedfordshire will give an update on their review of services at Bedford and Milton Keynes hospitals this morning. Their A&E departments are among a dozen or so across the country to admit they're struggling to keep up with demand over the last few days. Well, Bedford's drafted in GPs to make up the numbers and encouraging ambulance staff to only bring in the most needy cases. Well, meanwhile, Milton Keynes has had to open up 34 extra beds for patients needing acute treatment. And yet there's still uh, talk of the two hospitals possibly merging or maybe just sharing services. Well, Dr Nicholas Smith is the uh, GP chair of Milton Keynes CCG. Good morning, Nicola. It's still a possibility, isn't it, the the hospital's merging? Good morning. Yeah, no, um, we're not not really um, looking at a merger at the moment as such, but we are obviously carrying on with the work of the healthcare review to looking at what we can do with services locally to try and obviously improve the situation. So, okay, you know, so, so it's, sharing, so, so yeah. one person might call it merging, you're calling it sharing services. Uh, yeah. what, what would that mean? Well, really, it isn't a merger because you've not got two organisations that are going to be merging together and we're not even sharing services. We are looking at what just the two different hospitals can provide that, that might make a better situation than we've got at the moment. So, it sounds like sharing to me. Explain the hmm. difference. Well, I think you've got two, um, two hospitals, so to merge two organisations, you end up with one organisation. So what we will still have is two separate hospitals. Yeah. But obviously you need to, when you're looking at services each hospital provides, you've got to look at services that are provided by, you know, neighbouring hospitals as well. And what you don't want is to duplicate um, services that so could you be share ser- one side. You share services then? Yeah, yeah, yeah alright, if you want to put it like that, yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but it's, we're not merging hospitals certainly, okay. that's not the so, case. And what, so what kind of services do you think might stay at Milton Keynes? Uh, uh, and, and what kind of services do you think you'd rely on Bedford for? Do, do, do we know that yet? I think the absolutely truthful answer is we don't know that okay. yet. We are, we, are looking, we are still working on that, absolutely. No, there's no solution to that at the moment. Uh, now, we know uh, all in the news yesterday that A&E across the country is, uh, is struggling, um, and the chief executive of Milton Keynes Hospital told us yesterday, told the station, that the hospital needs a bigger A&E. I think I think everybody knows that, that A&E and Milton Keynes was built for a very much smaller population, so the actual building size um, is extremely cramped, certainly for the volumes of patients that are going in through it. Um, it's just it's really very cramped for everybody, and it's not satisfactory. So absolutely, yes, we, we would like to see a bit more space. From uh, the news yesterday, is the problem, and this may be too simplistic of you, but I'm, uh, it's too early to be too clever for me, <laughs> is the problem you've not got enough staff or you've got too many patients coming into A&E? Um, I think there's certainly a workforce issue. So staffing, I mean, we have got um, extra funding to, to employ more staff over this winter period, as we do every year. Um, but the difficulty is being able to bring in enough temporary staff to cope with this very busy period. So, but, but in addition to that, we have got um, huge demand in terms of patients attending, and not actually just in numbers, but the complexity 
quality of the patients that we're seeing now. So obviously each individual patient takes that little bit longer or that little bit, you know, extra work. So you've got the, the two things, compa- you know, together making the situation very difficult. A lot of the papers today are suggesting that, that part of the problem uh, uh, um, being placed on uh, A&E is the uh, 111 service, where because they're not medically trained people, they're going through a checklist, uh, they kind of suggest that people may want to go to A&E perhaps a little bit more than they need to. I think we haven't found that in Milton Keynes. Our 111 service is working extremely well. Um, you're absolutely right. You, the, um, the call handlers um, uh, are not medically trained. They do use protocols. But in actual fact, our patients in Milton Keynes have reported that we're, they're finding it really helpful in terms of choosing which service to use because it's very difficult for patients to, to know in some circumstances, well, where should I go? Should I go to A&E? Should I go to my GP? Or in fact, could I just go to my pharmacy and be seen there? So it, it is helpful for patients, and we've not seen that it's not the, the fault of 111 that more patients are going to A&E. It's absolutely not the case. OK. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you still get lots of idiots just turning up, though, with, you know, they've got a paper cut, or, you know, it's something ridiculous, and you think, well, for goodness sakes, obviously this isn't an emergency or an accident. I think you see a lot of, pa- a lot of patients... Uh, become unwell or, or sustain an injury and they're very worried about it. So obviously what they do is think, well, A&E is the best place to go. And I think what we're also finding is a lot of patients don't think they're able to get an appointment with their GP, so, so automatically bypass their GP and go to A&E. And what we'd like to say to people is actually go to your GP first if you've got yeah. a relatively... Because actually you'd be doing yourself a considerable favour uh, rather than sitting in a cramped A&E department for four hours waiting I, to be seen. I, I'm a big fan of those walk-in centres mm-hmm. that you get... To, well, you, you may have to wait a couple of hours yeah. Yeah. but you go in and, and, and you get to see a doctor pretty quickly we absolutely we have an urgent care centre in Milton Keynes for exactly that purpose um, again of course this time of year they're going to be really busy um, and I, you know I think the thing is about about that is that your GP is the best place for you to go in the first instance uh, Nicola good to talk to you thank you very much that's uh, Dr Nicola Smith uh, chair of Milton Keynes CCG 08459 you know the rest let's get the trav Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25, there were some problems earlier on, but just between Junction 27 for the M11 and 28 for the Brook Street roundabout, there was a horse in the road, but that's not <laughs> cleared. Oh, what? Was, yeah. Say that again! That is nuts! <laughs> there, was, there was a horse in the road. Oh, so you are joking! How yeah. did it get there? I really don't that know. That is nuts! Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Kelly, 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 Kelly. Yeah. Say, Sammy, say to Kelly what you just said to me. On the M25 uh, clockwise, there was a horse in the road. It's not there anymore, but it is still on the anti-clockwise side. So Where is it trying it's to go? Goes. It's on the anti-clockwise um, side. Kath, 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 Kath. Sammy, so, I'm so sorry, my dad. Kath, <laughs> Kath, 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 Kath. Sammy, say to Kath what you just said to me. This is the nuts. <laughs> on the M25, there, there was a horse on the road. A horse on the road! Three roundabouts and 27 to the M11. Along. So the <laughs> anti-clockwise Hang side on. is still closed towards oh, Hertfordshire, but yeah. it's um, the other way, the clockwise side should've, is open. because Should have warned us, Sammy, that, that there was a sad the twist to that The horse has gone on the tail. other side, is it? Um, it's on the anti-clockwise side, not the clockwise Who's side. Who's riding the horse? And uh, I think he's just running around. Okay, so it's not it's not it's not a highwayman or anything. Stand and deliver. It's not a robber, is it? Has anyone um, tried I, well, to I've just it? got a bit of an update. It's open. Oh, it's open both ways again now. I'll make your mind up, Sammy. Blimey. No. So controversial, isn't she? 6.16. It is a Wednesday, the um, 
7th of January. I should have known that. It's Mick's birthday. These are your headlines on BBC... From Dave D. Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Health officials say emergency services across Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire are reaching crisis point with accident and emergency departments struggling to cope. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. And police have uh, released CCTV images uh, of a woman after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse at Northwood Station near Watford. And we'll be speaking to that gentleman exclusively on this show. BBC Three Counties Radio. is back on BBC One. How I hit the button, okay, is it this hand? How does it sound? In my head it goes bang. It may seem fast, but for me it's slow motion and it sounds like this. Does it make a noise at all when I hit it? Oh, what a sound effect. Why are we advertising telly? Um, because um, no one watches it, they're all listening to the radio. Oh, and that's, uh, I'll be honest, that's Rita Ora. Rita Ora has caused a Ferrari. A Ferrara. Yeah, Rita Ora has caused a Ferrara. Have you seen this? She was on the one show last night. Did she have her boobies out again? No, she didn't have her boobies out. She was wearing a suit jacket and no brassiere. She so had her boobies out again. Well, I mean, yeah. 400 complaints about Rita Ora's magnificent jacket. breasts. I think that is out of... 400 complaints about... Luckily, the Sun have, uh, have covered the story in some detail and included photographs. Because, as we know, boobs is not news. <laughs> well, it, it, it turns out boobs is, is news. news. So boobs no. is not news. No, boobs is news. Cleave it out. <laughs> World in crisis. And 400 complained about dress. Hundreds of viewers who protested about voice coach Rita Ora's cleavage were told yesterday, get a life. Not by the BBC, I'd imagine. No. They wouldn't have said that. The BBC was hit by 400 complaints after the pop star went on the one show in a plunging suit. She's a singer, is she? It is a bit evening, though, isn't it, to go out without your top on? Uh, more also dispro- disapproved online, including Rob Meach, who tweeted, Should Rita not be wearing a shirt or at least a bra? However, others... Uh, Cold back to as well. She's going to catch her death. Well, well, d- smuggling peanuts, isn't it? Mm. Danielle Cheney told the owners, Get a grip. Well, I think some of them did get a grip. That's why that was the problem. They were, they were so okay, gripped yep. by anger, yes. they were complaining. I'm getting me out of it. Okay. Another called Gingio added, some people have too much time on their hands, get a life. Why aren't people just complaining that the one show's rubbish? I know, why are they watching it? Why aren't people complaining that I got the boot from the one show? Did That's you? A, sorry? What? We'd be good on that, wouldn't we? Um, anyway, it's 47 years since Beaky was replaced by the second Beaky, Beaky the second. So let's celebrate with Dave D, Dozy, Beaky 2, Mick and Titch and their song, Hold Me Baby. <laughs>
Merry Christmas. Andy, do you have any doors in your house and any windows? Dozy Beacon, Mick and Titch, lads, we salute you. Just had a tweet from Scott that says, Titch comes in our shop. Not the original Titch, though. 08459 555 is the phone number. Now, British Transport Police are appealing for information after a 23-year-old man suffered a tirade of homophobic abuse on a Metropolitan Line train at Northwood Station. Now, the gentleman uh, wants to remain anonymous, so we're using the name Nick. Morning, Nick. Morning, how now, are you? I'm, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. So, t- so what happened? Um, well, I was on actually on the phone to a friend at the time, um, going from Baker Street to Northwood, and as soon as we got off, she had, the lady actually got off at Northwood as well, just started shouting a lot of homophobic abuse so all the she, way right through to the... Sorry to interrupt, Nick. So there was no abuse when you were on the train? No, none at all. It was only when we um, sort of got off the train and left to exit the station. And obviously, you know, bearing in mind we've got young ears listening, so just be careful yeah. with the language. What, what kind of stuff was she saying? Um, I can't really say anything at this point. But really? Just, yeah, it was, um, she said I shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed to take the train, oh. being the sexual orientation that I am. Um, I should be ashamed of myself. Um, how, uh, yeah, just a lot of things that I can't actually repeat, but yeah, it, it wasn't a... Wasn't some good stuff. Yes, you, you gays really do ruin the train service for us, Nick, for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah. but how did... Um, I, I, I don't, I, listen, I've not met you, I've not seen you. Maybe it's, it's um, yeah. screamingly obvious, but how, would she, how did she know that you were gay? Well, this, I think that's the thing that really got to me, is um, being on the phone as well, I think the only way she could have, to- could have told that I was gay was either from the sound of my voice or the way that I was dressed. Um, there was nothing else, even the phone call that I had with my friend, that I could have given it away apart from the way that I was dressed or, and the, the sound of my voice. And did she follow you out of the station? How long did this go on for? Oh, yeah, she followed me out of the station, um, all the way outside of the station, all the way down, and then we just went our kind of separate ways. I think she turned right and I went left. Um, but and I think one of the good things about it was that uh, one of, one of, while I was walking up the station, there was another passenger on the train who... Um, uh, had said, you know, she, uh, she's never going to understand, just leave it. It's interesting, that, that just leave it attitude. Because, I mean, were you arguing back with her, or were you too scared? What was going on in your um, mind? I, well, I first was in shock. I asked her when she first, you know, started going on. I was like, are you speaking to me? I was still on the phone. Um, I was a little bit terrified at the same time, but I'm being a gay guy, I'm sort of used to this. I'm kind mm. of happening with, um, you know, around London, um, 
Another place. I'm not used to it on the tube, but uh, you know it happens. Um, because I, I I go to London a lot, and I always yeah. thought that London was kind of you know was very metropolitan and well, it's literally metropolitan, but also you know very open to to all different uh, uh, lifestyles. Are you, do you get a lot of this in London then? Um, it's, uh, fairly. I think it's uh, when I'm holding hands with another guy, if I'm kissing another guy, yes. Um, I do get a lot of it um, if, if I'm doing those kind of things. Um, not necessarily if I'm on my own. No. And that I've been on the phone. And so if you're walking down the street holding your boyfriend's hand, what yeah. ki- again, obviously, you probably can't use the exact language. What kind of yeah. things do people say to you? Uh, daddy, bye, boys. Um, things like that. You know, you uh, look at these two, look at those gays over there. It's, you know, it's, it's, it happens more when I'm with another person or with another guy holding hands or kissing or anything like that than it does if I'm on my So th- this, th- 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 did anybody else spot this specific incident with this woman and did anybody kind of step in and say anything or, or tell her to shut up or, or, or were people kind of looking the other way? I think looking the other way, there was only the one person that um, said, you know, leave it. Because I was standing in front of her, confronting her, saying, you know, I'm gay. Has it got anything to do with you? And I said this quite a few times as people were coming up the stairs who were also on the train. Um, And there was only one guy that said, you know, just leave it. She's never going to understand. There was no one else that kind of stopped or said anything. I mean, everyone saw it. It was like we were at the top of the stairs at this point. And she was shouting. Shouting, yeah, shouting. Um, she was being really, uh, really kind of aggressive with it as well. It wasn't. And what uh, made you decide? I mean, did you go go back immediately and report this? Did you think about it for a while? What 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 made you decide to report this, Nick? Um, I think what made me is that it was completely unprovoked. Uh, you know, in other circumstances where I have had abuse, you know, thrown at me, I've sort of not provoked it, but I've been with another guy either kissing them or holding hands. I think this incident got to me a lot because when I was on the tube, I was on the phone to my friend and had completely not, I didn't even realize that she was there until she, you know, started abusing me. Um, I think the reason that I thought this one was just because of that is completely unprovoked. Um, I had, you know, not even interacting with her. Mm. I mean, that's, that's the reason I, we just, I I came back and just called the British Transport Police. Well, good for you for doing that because I, I, I it does you know I think a lot of these things often go unreported and and this behaviour yeah. needs to be stood up to. What what did she look like? How old was she? Do you think? She was about late thirties, um, early forties. She you know she had really distinct colour um, eyes from what I remember. Uh, but yeah, just a normal kind of lady, a normal middle-aged. She didn't look like she had anything wrong with her or anything like that. Um, just a, you know, a normal uh, lady. <laughs> and how's it? How's it made you feel now? How long ago did this happen, Nick? Sorry. Uh, this happened about back in November. Okay. And, and how's it made you feel going on the tube now? Has it put you off or anything? Or are you okay with it? Um, it's, it's not put me off. I'm a huge fan of the tube. Um, it's put me off. It's maybe a little bit scared in my home uh, home station. Um, she got off at Northwell. I don't know whether mm. she did or whatever. But um, yeah, there's always something in the back of my mind whenever I'm going that will I see her again, or you know what will happen if I ever see her again? Um, would it carry on again? Like you know, I've never seen or spoken to her since it's ever happened. Since this has happened. My suggestion, Nick, is if you ever do see her again, whip your phone out <laughs> immediately and start filming. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, Nick, I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us this morning, and it will give us a lot to think about. Thank you very much, and I hope you, no um, I hope you don't come across it again. I have not too. Thank Nick, you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's horrible, isn't it? On so many on so many levels. And also, he mentioned, you know, the 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 the, the thing that kind of struck me there, Catherine. It gets, and we've kind of mentioned this before with with, uh, with women in that story where they got booted out of a supermarket. Um, uh, he, he gets a lot of abuse when he's walking along holding his boyfriend's hands. Do people re- 
Well, I know the answer to that because I present a phone in show on BBC Local Radio. Of course people still have a problem with that. I'm really surprised in London because you sit in London all the time. London's like, you know, groovy London. Well, there was a story yesterday about someone being kicked out of an Uber cab for kissing his boyfriend in the back. Putting his arm around him. Oh, I, I, we have to ask the question, I suppose. Let's start from the basics and see where this takes us by nine o'clock. Let's start with the basic question. Would you be offended? Are you offended? Would you be offended if you saw two blokes walking down the street just holding hands? They're not even ki- they're not even kissing. Their tongues are in their own mouths. They're just holding hands. Would that offend you? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the trains, Virgin have half-hour delays to Birmingham New Street. That's because of emergency engineering works, and it's also affecting Riva Trains Wales Cross Country and London Midlands services, and their problems are expected to go on until around 8 o'clock this morning. On the M25 clockwise, it's moving well through Junction 27 for the M11 and 28 for the Brook Street roundabout, but anti-clockwise, there are queues after the horse was in the road earlier on. And in Milton Keynes, things moving well on the A421 standing way, but the roadworks at the Kingston roundabout could cause some delays later on. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Simon Oxley. Health officials say emergency services across Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire are reaching crisis points, with accident and emergency departments struggling to cope. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. A court heard a doctor who worked at hospitals in Buckinghamshire indecently assaulted young girls, thinking no one would believe a child over him. 79-year-old Michael Salmon, who worked at Stoke Mandeville Hospital, denies the alleged offence between 1973 and 1988. And police have released CCTV images of a woman after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse at Northwood Station near Watford. The incident happened last November. British Transport Police say the abuse was entirely unprovoked. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. A stoppage time equaliser gave Everton a one-all draw at home to West Ham in last night's FA Cup third round tie. Here's the West Ham manager, Sam Allardyce. We are disappointed, I think, that uh, when you lose a goal in, in injury time and the way we lost the goal. Um, so, so we're a little disappointed, yes, but uh, I'm enough to satisfy with the effort and the overall performance of the players. But when you get so close, you've got to be disappointed that you didn't win it. And it could have been a a lot better for us in terms of the last five or ten minutes. Also last night, Chesterfield, who finally saw off the MK Dons last Friday, drew two all at Scunthorpe. Stevenage have made two permanent signings from Peterborough. Tom Conlon has joined after a loan spell at the Lamex. Michael Richards has signed following a loan spell at Farnborough. And the first major move of the transfer window is edging closer, with Manchester City set to sign the Swansea striker Wilfred Boney for around £30 million. Milton Keynes, Dons and Luton are among ten clubs in League One and Two, who have ruled out the possibility of signing convicted rapist Ched Evans. BBC Sport has contacted clubs in League One and Two since news of Evans' potential signing for Oldham broke at the weekend. Stevenage and Wickham confirmed they'd not been approached about signing Evans, but wouldn't comment further. And ahead of tomorrow's League Two game at home to Shrewsbury, several Luton first-team players featured in yesterday's 2-1 development win over Bournemouth. There were goals for Ross Lafayette and Charlie Walker, Alex Wall and Pelly Ruddock, all also featured BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC oh, Three Counties Radio. If you 
knew Susie like I knew Susie. Boy, oh boy, the conversation Catherine and I were just having at No, six... you were having it on your own. I didn't join in. You Well, no, you kept surprisingly tight-lipped. <laughs> and that was the point. 08459 455 555. Did you find that song, Kels? Uh, okay. We're uh, not oh. doing Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch yeah, on Rick's that. birthday. Yeah, we're doing that. Because um, the legend of Xanadu has a special meaning for my dad. It's why? Not like that. Why? Um, because his dog used to go ape whenever it heard the first hey. whip crack. He would put it on upstairs and as soon as the first whip crack went, he would hear this box oh, of so dogs. This isn't, boom, 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 this upstairs isn't another, he would go mental. This isn't another Here Comes the Sun no, story. No, no, please don't tell that story. I'm not telling the story. Just it's a romantic story about Here Comes the Sun. And this uh, song... Is it's about Here the... Comes the Mad Dog. Thank you. Esta es la leyenda de Sanadu. Dave D died five years ago to this very day. That's actually almost true. He died on January the 9th, 2009. Six years ago. Flip. 
getting old. Well, Dave's not. Obviously, he's passed away. That's sad. And there were... Uh, it, it's a fascinating band, Dave D, Dozy, Bick and Mick and Titch. More from them later. But there have been uh, three Micks and three Beakies. That must have been hard to find, someone who's called Beaky and has the relevant experience. Only one Titch, only one Dozy, and, of course, only one Dave D. Somewhere there is the ghost of a dog going bonkers and um, knocking a stereo that's playing. Here comes the sun. Shush. Hey, so there's a big lass, right? Yeah. I've seen bigger. Uh, Okay. Okay, okay, politically correct liberal BBC. No, I'm just saying, I've seen bigger. Beauty Queen's fury after Sugar calls her fatty, right? This This is a good story. I like this story. Now, this is a bad story. I hate this story. TV tycoon Lord Alan Sugar has been promised a free bag of chips if he apologises to a beauty queen. Excuse me, but we'll do that. He branded Fatty on Twitter. Well, yeah. She started on him, though. She started it. The multi-millionaire star of The Apprentice stunned 14-stone glamour girl. Yeah, she's only five foot two. Elena Raona with the remark, which could be read by his 3.87 million Twitter followers. Thank you to the Daily Express for explaining Twitter to us. Elena, 23, dubbed Miss, Miss, Miss Fish and Hips. Pardon? Elena, 23, dubbed Miss Fish and Hips. What, is it nuclear fission? No, because she manages her parents' fish and chip restaurant. Sent Lord Sugar... Hey, get this, Kels. You right, Kath? When you say manages... Well, she obviously dines there. She, um, she sent Lord Sugar a cheeky message on Sunday night. Right, Kels? Which read, Evening, Sugar... Co- semicolon dash close bracket. Smiley oh. face. With a wink. Evening sugar. Can I call you that? Lol. The 67 year old Amstrad chief responded, Yes, no problem. As long as I can call you fatty. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, she did start it with someone who is famously rude. So Within hours, hours his message was retweeted more than 300 times. When one, follow- <laughs> when one follower asked, Was there any need to reply in that manner? He replied, Get stuffed and mind your own business before blocking all of his critics. He don't give a stuff. No. Elena, who was Miss British Beauty Curve in 2013 and weighed 19 stone before having a gastric band fitted, demanded an apology before posing for a photograph in the Daily Express. She says she sent the friendly tweet to get his attention because she is a massive fan mm, of hit BBC show The Apprentice. Elena said, I'm still absolutely fuming. It was so cruel. I think it was great that he replied. Yeah, not was... many celebs do reply. She sent him a, quite a cheeky thing. It was disrespectful, arguably. Mm. He was disrespectful it's back. As if he sent out a message to his followers saying it's okay to call people fat. I've had other people joining in telling me to lose weight, but I'm perfectly happy the way I am. Uh, yeah, that's why you had a gastric band fitted. Mm-hmm. My face froze in shock with his reply. It's not nice. It's cyberbullying. Oh, right. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Whatever happened to rolling your eyeballs and press, pressing block? What do you mean, whatever happened? That's still quite a, a new <laughs> phenomenon. People don't do it. They want... It's not like the 80s. Right, I'm going to block you. They want, to, they want recourse these days instead of just going, but oh, well, these are div- block people in life. Yeah, well, tell me about I it. I do. I wish you'd block me. What was that? Just scratching my hand. Mm. How are your fingers? You had your first guitar lesson. Tender, they are tender. Hey. Steel strings, man. I'm, I'm playing hardball. Yeah, don't mess around. Well, what, what songs can you play, Jimi Hendrix? Um, well, I mean, we're not uh, not really on songs as 
as you would recognise them, yeah. Okay. I was doing um, freehand. <laughs> what was. You know the bits on your fingers? No, free stroke, oh. is it called? Oh. <laughs> no, it's more this. Oh, a little tickle. A little tickle on the tongue. Two or three fingers. Do you remember earlier, off air, I was telling you about the fingers <laughs> thing? Stop talking about fingers. Right. Yes. It's called something, you know. Fingertips. You, no, when you train your fingers to be able to hold the strings of a guitar. You were talking about the specific tip of the finger, aka the fingertip. No, but what's it called? The you fingertip. The callus. Tr- you get cal- you form yes. calluses. Yes. Oh, why didn't you just say that? Because you what you were talking about the you tip of cuticles. Yeah, because I was trying to get to the calluses. The what? <laughs> to the what? To the what? To the what? I am not in a mood. Ding! 
local news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the trains, there are half-hour delays at Birmingham New Street. Oh, and that's affecting Virgin Trains and London Midland services. It's because of en- emergency engineering works there. On the A1 southbound in Boreham Wood, there are queues between the Holiday Inn Junction and Barnet Lane at Stirling Corner. Having a look at the speed sensors in Milton Keynes, and it's moving fine around the Kingston roundabout, but there are roadworks going on there on the A421, so expect delays as it starts to get busier. And on the motorways, it's starting to get quite busy on the A1M southbound around Junction 7 for Stevenage and the M1 southbound as well as building up around the M1 Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road and Junction 9 for Redbourne. Samantha Brough, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. It's 6.46. It's Wednesday, the 7th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Health officials say emergency services across Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire are reaching crisis point with accident and emergency departments struggling to cope. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. And police have released CCTV images of a woman after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse at Northwood Station near Watford. Coming up, we'll speak to Daly. Before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A chilly start to the day. Temperatures in some spots down to minus two. So many people scraping frost from windscreens this morning. Others just hovering above, especially within towns, perhaps. Uh, you may not get so much frost there, but it is a very chilly start, particularly in contrast to this time yesterday. But the clear skies overnight, which help the temperature drop, mean it is a beautiful start. Once the sun rises, you will see it. Blue sky, crisp winter's morning. But the cloud will increase through the course of the afternoon. Perhaps a spot or two of rain arriving as we head through to dusk this afternoon and the wind starts to pick up too. Maximum temperature up to around 8 Celsius. Now overnight we're hanging on to the cloud and hanging on to the breeze as well and outbreaks of rain push through on that breeze but the temperature starts to get milder. Now the minimum's down to 8, uh, down to around 6 Celsius rather but gradually through the night it should increase and by dawn tomorrow morning we could be up at 9 or 10 Celsius um, to around 8 o'clock on Thursday. So a start for tomorrow. Some sunny intervals but one or two showers around tomorrow. Maximum temperature up to 10 Celsius. That's 50 degrees in Fahrenheit and that's your forecast. (laughs) (laughs) Kath just asked me the best question I've ever... Literally, as the weather was finishing, Kath came in in, uh, with the best question... I've ever heard. And you gen- the thing is, you genuinely meant it, and you've been building up to it. Please, uh, ask, uh, put the question to the listeners. Is it weird having a beard? Did you know you can get in touch with BBC Three Counties Radio wherever you are? Via Twitter, at BBC3CR. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash BBC3CR. Call us on 08459 455 555. Or text us on 81333 and start your message with 3CR. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. What's the hustle? Bend, 
soundtrack to all weddings I went to in the 70s. If they keep bending it and stretching it, it's going to fall off. <laughs> well done, yes. Uh, Dave D, Dozy, Mick and Mick and Teach. It's exactly 47 years uh, to this very day that the original uh, Beaky left and was replaced by Beaky number two. A total of three Beakies, a total of three Mitches. Of course, there was only one Dave D. Yeah, absolutely true. Of course, a real person and a real name. The yeah. only person to carry his, his real name from the group. Now, boss, what I've done for you this morning, yes, yes. Um, you've got my juices flowing today. Uh, with, with all this Dave D music, I put together a little JD package oh, for you. You are good. On the history of Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Titch. Just press play. Originally called Dave D and the Bostons, they used their nicknames to stand out and it worked. The boys first hit the UK charts in December 1965. You make it move, providing the warm-up for stormers such as Hold Tight, Bend It and OK. They were fashion icons, decked out in camp costumes they designed themselves. Between 1965 and 1969, they spent more weeks on the UK charts than the Beatles. True. In 1968, after a few near misses, they got their deserved number one, containing a hot-sounding whip. Yeah, The Legend of Xanadu, one of my personal karaoke favourites. And one piece of pop history which always sends a chill. Dave D was a policeman before he joined the band full-time. He was at the scene of Eddie Cochran's car crash where he salvaged his guitar. He looked after it before sending it back to Cochran's family in America. Respect to you, DDD BMT Legends. There you go. 
we're all a little bit speechless, Justin, for for so so many reasons. Mm. He nicked Eddie Cochran's guitar. He murdered Eddie Cochran. No, not true. No, he was a policeman. He went to the scene. It's even worse. And he salvaged that guitar, looked after it for approximately two weeks. Nicked um, it. No, he didn't nick it. It was held at the police station, but Dave D was looking after it, and he then sent it back to Cochran's family in America. Now, I spoke to a band member about that story yeah. about three or four years Wh- ago. Which, which band? Um, well, from Dave D. Oh, OK. And he did confirm to me that was a true story. Wow. Fact, not fiction. That was great, Absolutely. Josh. That's, you, you just made this week's podcast. Thank you, boss. I appreciate that. Hey, listen, there's a couple of stories. There's a great story here, right, in The Telegraph. Mm. Well. Oh, I, now I come in early, I read The Telegraph. Police awash, clever, you'll see why, with complaints from pedestrians splashed by drivers hitting puddles. Oh, that is naughty. <laughs> uh, well, it's, yes. it's against the law, but, I mean, you're, they're, they're reporting it. To, if it happens by accident, there's nothing better than when it happens by accident because there's nothing... You, it was an accident, and it was brilliant. Mm, mm. Do not do it deliberately, of course. I do think that's against the law. Yep. Pedestrians have been inundating police with complaints of motorists driving through puddles to splash them. Um, it says it's illegal. In the five years since 2009... Well, it's hardly an inundation. In the five years since 2009, 63 people reported being soaked by motorists driving through a puddle, according to six police forces with... Same puddle, was it? Big, big according to the six police forces with details on splashing. <sighs> the others don't keep record, you see. The force said a van driver was handed a ticket for a public order offence after driving back and forth through a large puddle to intentionally splash pedestrians. Yeah. Wow, that, that is... Uh... While another was spoken to by officers after l- deliberately driving through a puddle to splash a walker before laughing. Two motorists found themselves on the receiving end when they were involved in altercations after being accused of splashing. Oh, dearie me. We're resting you on suspicion of splashing. <laughs> One Cotswolds resident said they were soaked at least five times by drivers speeding through pub- wow. puddles. Here's a, here's a thought, pedestrians. Step away from the curb. This is a lot of the responsibilities on the pedestrians, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Another complained that a police officer swerved into a puddle on purpose to soak him. Disgusting. <laughs> One witness reported a young male driver swerving all along the nap in Strood, driving into puddles to splash school children walking home. Oh, that is me. Heartless. Mike Frisbee, the, this is the best story ever. That's this not is his in, real name. This is in the Telegraph. Mike Frisbee, the Driving Instructors Association chief examiner, said, motorists have a duty of care not to splash pedestrians. Normally, the maximum penalty would be to get somebody's clothes dry clean. <laughs> <laughs> right, and if, listen, you can't oh, do it, great. it's illegal, don't do it, it's awful. If it happens by accident, then that's, that's a freebie, that's a gift from yeah, God, yeah. OK? But <laughs> don't, don't go and complain to the police. As Catherine says, step away from the pavement. If you're on the pavement and there are puddles in the road, you've got to time it with the traffic. Yeah. It's happened to me and you know what, sometimes in life you just got to take it on the chin and you got to think don't worry, when I get home the Engelbert CD, it's going to be there, it's not going to move no. and it's going to lift my spirits. It's so happened it, to it, me. It hit your chin, that was a big puddle. <laughs> so it splashed all over your chin, Justin. It, it got me in the face once, seriously. Um, where I live in, in leafy Hertfordshire um, lot, lots of roads there which contain big puddles. Now and again, you you are going to get splashed, <laughs> and there's nothing that a motorist can do to get out of the way of that puddle without crashing their vehicle. I just remembered a, a hilarious incident when, when me and my husband were just going out. We were driving along in the car. I saw he was about to drive through a massive puddle, so I closed my window. He didn't close his, and Nicola <laughs> 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 Oh, 
Oh dear. We fell out with me a bit over that. Your your puddle splashing stories, please. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Justin, I don't know if you heard. We were speaking to a young chap who we're calling Nick earlier on. Yeah, very 23 interesting. Twenty-three-year-old lad um, got um, uh, ridiculed and abused and threatened uh, uh, getting off uh, a train uh, in uh, uh, that there London because he's he's a gay fella. Yeah. Now, Kath, the, Catherine, the, there are one or two questions here. You're right. Just maybe just the incident. Oh, you're loving that. I think I think I know the angle you want to go down here. Right, okay, I'm not laughing about that other story. That was terrible. No. Well, there, there are two potential angles. One is uh, d- d- seeing two fellas holding hands, would that upset you? Or yep. the other one is um, if, if you saw someone getting uh, abused for, for being gay, would you step in? Because the interesting thing about this story was only one person stepped in, and that was to tell him to leave it. Hmm. He's the wronged party, and yet the person saying leave it, she'll never understand. I think a lot of people would have stepped in again. I've said this before ten years ago. I think nowadays a lot of people wouldn't step in because they fear might what happen uh, next. Um, In terms of holding hands... Uh, we did something similar a couple of months back w- w- with people's views on on gay people in this country, and there are still a lot of people out there who, incredibly, are highly offended by it. So people holding hands walking down the street, I don't know, I could be wrong, but based on, on what happened a few weeks ago, I'm sure that people might be offended by I'd that. I'd quite like to see you two doing an experiment. Oh, yeah, I walk down the streets holding, holding Justin's hands. Justin. Hand. He yeah. won't touch me, though. But, well, you would get... We, we would get looks. You know, and? The, the, despite it being 2015, people would look, and there'll be certain wanna, people Justin, that wouldn't like it. Do you want to go out for a walk after the show through Luton with me? Yeah, what, holding hands? Yes. If you want to, yeah. All right, brilliant, we're on. It's a date. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the trains, there are half-hour delays under Birmingham New Street on Virgin and London Midland services because of emergency engineering works. On the A1 southbound, there are queues between the Holiday Inn and the Barnet Lane Stirling Corner Junction. And in Chalfont St. Peter, things are moving well through the roadworks on Amersham Road, but it could get busy there later on at Missbourne Avenue. Samantha Braff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Catherine's trying to tell me a story about a woman at... Where's his whipsnade? Yeah. Well, well, uh, can, I mean... I'll tell you in a minute. Thank you. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, hospitals reaching crisis point in beds and hearts. Former Bucks doctor denies historic assault charges and police appeal after man suffers homophobic abuse at station. BBC Three Counties Radio. Health officials say emergency services across Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire are reaching crisis point with accident and emergency departments struggling to cope. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes Healthcare Review. GPs have been helping out in A&E at Bedford Hospital. Yesterday, all routine surgery had to be cancelled, along with some outpatient clinics. Nearby Addenbrooke's in Cambridge has become the latest hospital in England to declare a major incident. The medical director at Bedford Hospital, Colette Marshall, says they're seeing a lot of seriously ill elderly people. We've been working really hard um, with our partners in the local community to open more community beds. We've had GPs coming to help out in the emergency department and the ambulance service have been fantastic in trying to avoid admissions where that's possible and safe. 
A court heard a doctor who worked at hospitals in Buckinghamshire indecently assaulted young girls, thinking no one would believe a child over him. 79-year-old Michael Salmon from Salisbury is accused of three counts of rape, 11 of indecent assault and two of using an instrument to cause a miscarriage between 1973 and 1988. More from Jane Killick. The prosecution claims Salmon would examine girls while they were either screened from their parents or the parents were outside the room. He indecently touched them, sometimes on the pretense of listening to their heart or carrying out an examination for which there was no medical need. Salmon, who worked at Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Aylesbury and the Royal Buckingham Hospital, denies the charges. The Chancellor, George Osborne, has warned that airlines and gas and electricity companies could face intervention if they fail to pass on falls in fuel prices to customers. He's ordered a Treasury investigation to establish whether firms should be compelled to cut their charges. The energy industry has insisted price cuts are already being passed on. The Bank of England has released documents from 2007 which suggest that its board of directors had no idea a financial crisis was looming. The minutes show that the board thought the regulatory system was working well. Police have released CCTV images of a woman after after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse at Northwood Station near Watford. The incident happened last November. British Transport Police say the abuse was entirely unprovoked. The victim, who wishes to re- remain anonymous, told this programme what happened. She said, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed to take the train, oh. being the sexual orientation that I am. Um, I should be ashamed of myself. Um, how? Uh, yeah, just a lot of things that I can't actually repeat, but yeah, it, it wasn't a... Wasn't some good stuff. In sport, a stoppage time equaliser gave Everton a one-all draw at home to West Ham in last night's FA Cup third-round tie. And Steve Nidge have confirmed the permanent signings of Tom Conlon and Michael Richens from Peterborough after lone spells. The weather dry with sunny spells this morning, some rain this afternoon, a maximum temperature 8 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Catherine, what's on the show this morning, please? Can't tell you, I'm on the phone. Thanks very much. Want some of that? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah. <sighs> Well, lots to talk about on the show this morning. What have you been splashed by? Is um, one theme, I think, after... Why would people go to the... Splashy stories. Splashy stories. And it's literally as vague as that. 63 people in the last five years, um, according to six police forces, so it could be a nationwide epidemic, have reported um, splashy drivers to the police. People purposefully um, driving through puddles. If they did it, if they're doing it deliberately, then yeah, it's okay. Naughty, but it's not wicked, is it? It's illegal. Yeah, but it's not. Uh, I wouldn't want to take up the police's time with that. I might flip them the bird and move on. Okay, well, this is interesting. <laughs> then where do you draw the line then? Or what level crime does it? Do you go? Do you know? What? I'm not going to call the police. I'll just let them get on with it. Well, I mean, you need to be able to show them some evidence, don't you? Apart from being wet. Well, CCTV is everywhere. Well, do you? All right, the fellow we spoke to earlier on, Nick, mm. who was, um, was was getting homophobic abuse, sh- should he have gone to the police or should he have just put up with it? No, I think that that is something else because 
Um, They're both nasty. They are both nasty. And what I found really interesting about that and sad was that the one person who spoke to Nick wasn't there to offer support. Well, yeah. kind of was, but it was it was piped down, wasn't it? The person yeah, said, "Leave much. it, leave yeah. her alone. She'll never understand." You know, there people. There've been plenty of other minorities in this country that should have apparently left things alone and let things carry on their way they were. Thank goodness they didn't. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've been listening to BBC Three Counties Radio over the past few months, you're probably aware that health services in Bedford and Milton Keynes are under review. The Clinical Commissioning Group will be updating the public later this morning against the national backdrop of hospitals struggling to cope with demand. At Bedford Hospital, the pressure was so great that uh, uh, GPs, extra GPs had to be drafted in to help, or GPs had to be drafted in to help. Meanwhile, Milton Keynes has had to open up 34 extra beds for patients needing acute treatment. Well, Dr Paul Hobday is from National Health Action Party, has been a GP for 30 years, and uh, he's also running to become the MP for Maidstone. Morning, Paul. Good morning to you. you surprised that it's come to this, or have you kind of seen a, a steady decline over your time? Uh, sadly, no, I'm not surprised. I've seen a steady decline, certainly in the last few years. Um, to step back and see, get some understanding of this, uh, you can see that despite a mild winter, despite no flu epidemic, um, you won't really believe it, but the tendencies at A&E are less than they were in the summer. And I've got the figures in front of me. And the tendencies of A&E have been pretty static since 2003 because they've added in the minor injury units and the uh, walk-in centres to that. So it's no good government blaming patients for attending A&E, GPs and the elderly for getting sick. So whose fault is it then? Well, quite frankly, this is chickens coming home to roost. It's a result of underfunding, cuts, closures, chaotic management. We've had massive cuts in hospital beds. We've got insufficient staff. Do you know we've got less doctors per head than Bulgaria and Estonia? We're 23rd out of 27 in the EU. There's lack of government planning. They cut 10,000 nurse training places when they came in, and they've demoralised the staff. But is that not, has that not always been the way, Paul? Obviously, you're, you're representing National Health Action Party, uh, so, so you, you, of course, would be coming from a slightly political point of view that the government is wrong. Well, healthcare really has to be looked at as political, but the other big double whammy are the social care cuts. Um, uh, there's nowhere now left for patients to be discharged because they've had massive local um, social care cuts, and that's clogging up the hospitals. So there's a lack of capacity of the hospitals to treat, admit, and care for patients, leading to the backlogging A&E. Uh, Dr Hobday, do you think this is purely economics or, do, or could it be that this is part of some grand plan to let the NHS grind down to the point where people actually welcome reforms they would have opposed before when things were ticking along? Well, a bit of both, but the latter in my view, I'm afraid, because um, uh, the chaotic and the uh, uh, marketisation, commercialisation and the privatisation leading to an army of bureaucrats um, and this top-down reorganisation that nobody voted for nobody wanted and David Cameron said wouldn't take place and he introduced it within months of coming into office. Now this marketisation is uh, costing uh, estimates between five billion a year and a study at Keele University say ten billion pounds a year to put everything into competition etc etc. Now ten billion pounds a year is obviously a huge amount of money and would completely 
plug that funding gap. It would then allow us to um, employ them, the staff that are needed in these A&E departments and avoid some of the cuts and, and closures that uh, I'm afraid this government have, uh, 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 is part of their, their, their grand plan. NHS managers were always unpopular and people would always you know, talk about the amounts they were being paid for bureaucracy, but actually does this show that we needed them? Well, we certainly need good management, um, but we've got um, a chaotic situation now. Hospitals are in competition to e- with each other. Healthcare needs cooperation, not competition. And when they're in competition with each other, of course, um, uh, things that really shouldn't get done get done uh, as they do in the commercial world. This is, should be a service and not a business. Yesterday I heard uh, A&E departments described as the loss-making part of the business. Now that is a pathetic and appalling state of affairs we've got ourselves into. The National Health Service should be a service, not a business. And because it's a loss-making part of the business, these individual trusts and foundation trusts um, are actually, uh, uh, you know, not wanting to keep A&E departments going. But in, in, in the real world, of course it, it should be a service, but there are only finite resources, aren't there? There's only a finite amount of money that can go in, and there are more and more people using the National Service and living longer, just because there are more people here and we do live longer. Uh, the, business, the business side of it does have to be taken in, into account, doesn't it? Well, it has to be run in a business-like way, but we do spend less um, per GP, GDP than any of the other G7 countries. And the government saying they ring-fence the budget is meaningless if the amount of money is, is inadequate in the first place. But doctors are responsible for the budgets now, aren't they, with the changes? Well, not really. If you, um, I think you may be coming on to your local situation with Bedford and Milton yeah. Keynes. We have parallels, absolute parallels in Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells. Well, you've yeah. seen two hospitals merge, haven't you? That, that, that's right. We, we ended up with uh, uh, downgrading of services, merging, uh, scaling back of A&E, and the closure of a consultant-led maternity unit. Now, you just said to me that GPs are in charge. 95% of GPs in our area voted against that change, and it happened anyway. So I, I dread to think what uh, your situation will be. Um, if they plan to close one of your hospitals, it will happen despite the GPs, not because well, of the GPs. We spoke uh, earlier on to Dr Nicola Smith, who's uh, chair of the Milton Keynes CCG. She said um, uh, that there were certainly no plans to uh, merge the hospitals, but after a while she relented and said that, yeah, they probably will, uh, uh, possibly will end up sharing services. Should patients be worried about that? I think they should be. Um, this is coming from the top down. This is um, GPs and uh, com- clinical commissioning groups having pressure on them, particularly with their budget cuts. Uh, it is uh, NHS England's policy to reduce the 140 or so major A&Es in the country down to about 40. And the Daily, even the Daily Telegraph reported a month or so ago that since 2010, 66 A&Es and maternity units have closed. Now, so this is happening all across the country, and I think despite what your local uh, patients and population might want, uh, they're going to be downgrading services in your area, and probably one of your casualty departments will close, um, and it will follow what has happened in my area, and that's what's happening across the country. Paul, uh, really interesting talking to you. Thank you very much, Dr Paul Hobday. I should, uh, of course, stress he's going to run for an MP, as an MP for Maidstone for the National Health Action Party, so obviously he's coming from a, uh, a political point of view, but as he says, well, the NHS has to be political. Uh, oh, wait, thank you, Paul. I enjoyed that. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. <laughs> 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, Twitter, twi- another Twitter story this week. And part of me thinks we all just need to take a Twitter chill pill. Have you read this story about the, um, the fella who, who, who tweeted a joke? Yes. Not a, fu- not a funny joke? The cyclist guy. Oh, yes. What an idiot. An idiot. Because a woman did get done for that, didn't she? He's an idiot. About a year ago. It's not a funny joke. But it was, a, it was a joke. But in the other story, the woman had actually hit yeah. a cyclist and, dr- and driven off. I tried to follow this guy, but he's, closed, he's, he's locked his Twitter account. A stockbroker has lost his job, and police are investigating after he joked on Twitter about being involved in a hit-and-run incident. Now, it's phrase like... I mean, it's not a funny joke. It's a bad joke. But it's a joke. Rayan Kadar, 21, he's a kid, yeah. wrote on the website, Think I just hit a cyclist, but I'm late for work, so I had to drive off. Lol. Now, if that had actually happened, outrageous. Then let's throw the weight of the law at him. And a crime. But it didn't. It was a joke. Didn't happen. Wasn't a funny joke. But hey, guess what? We don't all laugh at the same things. He thought it was funny. His mates probably thought it was funny. I didn't find it funny. Doesn't mean he should be arrested for it. Or that he should lose his job. He's lost his job. His bosses at financial firm Hargreaves Lansdowne failed to see the funny side and sacked him for his unacceptable behaviour. University graduate Mr Kadar had written to his 1,306 followers in a message. Twitter users Mark Etches wrote back to him, Some people don't deserve to be on our roads. I don't know if that's a dig at Mr Kadar or the cyclist, the fictional cyclist. Yesterday... This is ridiculous, isn't it? Yesterday, a spokesman for Avon and Somerset Police said, we are aware of a tweet regarding a collision between a cyclist and a car. We are looking into it and asking for witnesses to come forward. What, to him sending a tweet or to a fictional accident? Now, listen, if it turns out he did it and he actually did knock someone, then that's awful, then, yeah, lock him up. But uh, I don't think he did. Last night, Mr Qatar apologised and added, it was a really dumb thing to say and now I've lost my job. I understand now I can't say things like that. He's a 21-year-old kid whose um, life is potentially ruined because he did a stupid joke. Really? Look, I, I can see one job in which that would be unacceptable. Or two. Motor racing. Nope. If he was a police officer. Or lollipop man. Or if he was a driving instructor. Otherwise, it's got nothing to do with this it's work, It's ridiculous, it? isn't it? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, it's starting to look very busy between Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. On the M25 anti-clockwise, it's looking quite slow between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4 on the speed sensors. And further afield anti-clockwise, it's crawling towards Hertfordshire on the approach to the Junction 27 for the M11 after a horse was loose in the road earlier on. In Borehamwood on the A1 southbound, there are queues between the Holiday Inn Junction and Stirling Corner. And in High Wycombe on the A40 Oxford Road, there are the roadworks at Temple Street it's moving fine through there at the moment but could get busy later on. On the trains, Virgin and London Midland services have half hour delays on the way to Birmingham New Street because of emergency engineering works. Samantha Braff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. 
Always caught in controversy, that young lady. 7.17, it's Wednesday, the uh, 7th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Labour is urging the government to call an emergency summit to discuss how to ease the pressure on the NHS. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. And police have released CCTV images of a woman after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse, homophobic abuse, uh, at Northwood Station near Watford. BBC's Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Local opinions. We think it's absolutely shocking that this young man should continue to have to be punished. He hasn't even shown any remorse or said sorry. Well, firstly, I have to disagree. The JVS Show. Well, we're not living in very optimistic times. But it does seem very clear, doesn't it? They're human beings. Some are good people, some are bad. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, have we got any texts or anything, Kath? I realise so we've um, not no, really been not touting really. for them. Just abuse. No, we, we want splash <coughs> stories as well, don't we? Sorry? We want splash stories. Oh, yeah. <coughs> Thank Splashy you. stories, call me now, 08459 and, and it, it's illegal, it's criminal, don't do it, but if it happens by accident, it's a, it's a freebie. It's a freebie, as far as I'm concerned. Have you been splashed, or were you the splasher? Um, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. I've been both. I was telling you about the Whipsnade incident. Oh, yeah, go on. You bullied a poor woman. Didn't realise we were doing it. Working on minimum wage. We, it was a rainy day. We decided we'd go to the zoo. Yeah, yeah. Bad idea. Whipsnade in the wet is... Uh, we were bored, though. My friend had just had a baby. We needed to get her out. Yeah. So we... What, what did you do with the baby? The baby was asleep all the way around the zoo. It was really just about us. OK. So we went to Whipsnade. So hang on, were there any other kids there? No. So there were two grown we went, women yeah. and a baby. Well, yeah. And the baby was asleep. And the baby yeah. was too young to recognise the chimps, a giraffe. The chimps like the baby. Chimps all came yeah, to the window the, the, to look the at chi- the baby. The chimps would, wanted to um, take it as one of their own. <laughs> Tarzan. Tarzan style Anyway, so we drove up to uh, where you pay to get in. Yeah. The girl in the sort of hut slid her window back. <laughs> we opened our window. Raining heavily. We make the transaction. All the way through this transaction, she is really twitching. It's awful. It's like oh, this really violent head it? twitch where her head goes completely to one side Isn't and the hair's like flicking in the breeze and it's awful. Yeah. And then we realised just towards the end that she didn't have a twitch at all. It was because we had twitch screen wipers on and we were flicking water in her face. <laughs> she could have just said. She didn't know. Why wouldn't you say? Because the customer is king. I was splashed. Oh, um, yeah? Go on. Which, which story are you going to tell us? So I was walking just, right, Kath? just by here. Kath's still not recovered from the whipsnade. <laughs> I could just see her face. Yeah, wet, big wet face. <laughs> It's all your fault. The fringe flicking. Oh, dear. Bully, you bullied a minimum wage worker. I hope you're proud of yourself, you weirdo. <laughs> what adults go to the zoo without kids? We did take a kid. It was a, it was a baby kid. <laughs> Kelly, let's hope your story has, um, shows you off in a more mature light. <coughs> it doesn't. Hey. Um, anyway, somebody asked me for directions in the summer, yeah. and they ran down the window and they said, excuse me, do you know where blah blah is? And I was like... Uh, blah blah, yes, no. I do. And then they squirted me with loads of water pistols. Oh, it was a ruse. So you were attacked? It was like a... Was a, it water or urine? Or something water. worse? Water. Well, that's the joke a joke was on them, though, because it was hot and I could have done with that, so... I'm going to... Thanks gonna, for calling me down, guys. I'm going to lift the mood. 
Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now! British Transport Police are appealing for information after a 23-year-old man suffered a tirade of homophobic abuse on a Metropolitan Line train at Northwood Station near Watford. Uh, We spoke to Nick, not his real name, earlier on. He was followed off the train by a woman who shouted to him all the way out of the station. No one stepped in, apart from one person who told Nick to leave it because she'll never understand. Well, Neil Milderton chairs the Association of Public Transport Users and commutes between Harpenden and the city four days a week. Morning, Neil. Good morning, Ian. I, um, I've been on the tube when uh, things have happened uh, and people haven't stepped in. They, they tend not to. Uh, yeah, I think they don't these days. I think people are, wor- are worried about public liability. They're worried about the, escal- about the incident escalating as well and getting worse which is often is the biggest problem for people. I'm, I must admit myself, I haven't seen much of it, but fortunately I've never seen any homophobic abuse on the trains. But it, it, unfortunately it does happen, as, as, your friend, as your colleague Nick said. Well, this, and this is an extreme case. I've just remembered that I've been a victim, not of homophobic abuse, I've been a victim of abuse on a train, right? Because I used, I used to be on the telly a lifetime ago, Neil, and these, this group of kids, they're about 14, 15 years old, there are about 10 of them, recognised me, and they just started hassling me and being really aggressive. They tried to steal my telephone, I told them to naff off. But when there's 10, 12 teenagers, it's difficult. And there was one other fella sat on the tube, and it was really intimidating, Neil. Really, it was, it was yeah. thoroughly upsetting. There was one other person sat on the tube, and, um... I, uh, anyway, they left the tube eventually, and the fella looked over and went, well, that's the price of being famous, I suppose. I went, oh, thanks a lot, mate. There is something about us, isn't there, Neil, that, that we, we don't want to, to get involved. We, we, we don't, no. No, I think there is, I think there is that, and I think, you know, that, that, that's something that's changed over... In the last 10, 20 years, you know, there was a lot more have-a-go sort of mentality that, you know, long time ago. And people don't want to get involved anymore. They're, wor- they're, worried, about, they're worried about themselves. They've seen so many stories about being knifed, you know, helpers being knifed and so on. And that, dis- that's, that discourages people. We've, I, I, I don't live in London anymore, thank God. So my use of the tube is, is uh, severely limited. But it, it can be, particularly at certain times of the day, it can be a very tense environment, can't it? It, it can be. I mean, yeah. And I, I mean, the one thing I, I guess the one thing I notice now is that when I when I lived in London a long time ago, I used to better get on the tube and you'd there'd actually be nobody there, and that almost felt more tense than it does at the now mm. where everything's so crowded. Mm. You know, that almost seems to to discourage people because they're worried that that, that there will be somebody who's prepared to have a go. Neil, uh, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. Neil Milderson, who uh, chairs the Association of Public Transport Users, joined now by Superintendent Chris Horton from British Transport Police. Morning, Chris. Morning, Ian. Do you think, do, do, do many of these incidents happen on public transport, or, or do, are there not that many, or do people just choose not to um, report them, do you think? No, I think it's, um, first of all, it's, I think it's important to put into context uh, around crime on trains and on stations um, nationally has fallen for the last 10 years in a row, which is, which is obviously good news. Um, and actually it should be seen in the context of hundreds of millions of journeys and in specific reference to the tube you know we're talking a, a transport system that handles was it a billion journeys each year um, four million people a day um, and, and in, in, in reference to the you know the incident you referred to earlier the homophobic abuse um, we we recorded nationally uh, around 1900 crimes uh, last year 
so so not a, a large amount and, and specifically in relation to those which were sort of based towards sort of homophobic sexual orientation it's only 163 crimes and not not high levels if someone's getting and I, I, i'm not necessarily saying this is my point of view but some people might think this chris if someone's just getting shouted at you know, um, uh, because of uh, the way they look or the way they walk or who they choose to sleep with on, on a tube. Should they report it to the police or should they just kind of go, well, hang on, that's, that's life on public transport? No, they should absolutely report it to the British Transport Police. Um, everyone has the right to travel on the, the transport network free from, free from crime and fear of crime. Um, and, and, you know, we, we're working really hard and we recognise um, sometimes it's very difficult for uh, members of the public to, you know, want to be seen to be phoning the police. So, therefore, we've introduced um, a, a tech service of which members of the public can contact us on, um, which, is, which is actually designed to allow people to discreetly contact us for non-emergency ah. incidents. Ah, now, isn't that, isn't that interesting? So they text you? Yes, um, we've got a number which is um, 61016. Um, so that members of the public can, you know, so when you, you know, if it could be you witness um, something obviously untoward on a train uh, or a particular crime and it's not suitable to phone through to, uh, to, to, the, to the police, that actually they can discreetly text us. Do you know what? That's, that's not a bad idea. The, uh, the one flaw I can see is obviously this wouldn't necessarily work on the majority of the underground system in London, but it does bring us up to the thing of, of, of people are um, reluctant to intervene, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that's a good point as well, because we also, you know, we're active on, British Transport Police are active on Twitter, social media, which obviously, as you do know, we have Wi-Fi hotspots all over the Tube network. So so there's a number of ways now that the members of the public can contact us discreetly to report. Why do you think, well, I know the answer to this, people are worried they're going to get a kick in or get stabbed, but, but people are reluctant to, to, to step in. I've stepped in when I've seen um, someone getting shouted at or abused, just to, hey, all right, calm down, fella, you, you know, you're making a scene. Um, it, it, it can be uncomfortable, can't it? I think it can be intimidating for members of the public. Um, but what I would say is one thing that um, sort of British Transport Police do do, um, and particularly myself I've been involved in before, is we recognise a number of members of the public for, you know, Good Samaritan acts where they've stepped in um, with extreme bravery. And also I think it's important to recognise, you know, transport staff that also step in um, to, to protect members of the public as well. Chris, I, I appreciate your time this morning. Superintendent Chris Horton from British Transport Police. When are you allowed to pull the alarm? Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Quick, get him back on. Oh, uh, Chris, Chris, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, get him back on. That's my producer, Catherine. She's the, she's the boss. That's a good question. When are you allowed to pull the alarm? You can pull the alarm whenever you feel in uh, in fear of your safety. Um, I think the, the London Underground, uh, and, and again, anyone who's regularly travelled on the tube, what they do say is around um, trying to wait until you pull it at a station so help can be more readily, readily obtained. Chris, thank you. Are we finished with him now, Catherine? Yeah, you can, we can you let may, him go. You may go now, Chris. Go off thank and do his you. coppering. Chris, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Superintendent Chris Horton from the British Transport Police. Oh, you it's look a, at that alarm and you think, at what point would I be allowed to pull Oh, that? it's like smashing uh, a fire alarm. Yes. Even if there were a raging fire in a building, I'd still be hesitant to, to get my elbow exactly. out. Exactly. Like the times I've called 999, I've thought about four or five times about whether there's any other thing to do. I've stepped in a few times. I told you I stepped in recently at a, a, a McDonald's or a Burger King where um, a woman was getting... A, oh. This guy was getting really stroppy. Big, massive, muscular fella. was getting really stroppy because she'd put on two pieces of cheese instead of one. And I just went, hey fella, calm down, mate. And he went nuts. He went absolutely nuts. And I just said, hey, she, look, she's on minimum wage. She's, she's, it's, it's not a particularly glamorous job. Don't have a go at her. Whereas I witnessed a very similar incident to that, again in a fast food restaurant, yeah. and froze. Everyone froze. 
Everyone was listening. It went very, very quiet, but everyone froze. Oh, I, I can't now in those situations. I weigh it up. I mean, there are a lot of people there. If it had gone for me, you know, I suspect people... But I've, I've done it in supermarkets as well, where the, someone on the till is getting... You know, the person's obviously having a bad day, and so they're shouting at the person on the till, and you just say, look, it's not their fault. You know, just calm down, man. Quite often it works. And I've done it a couple of times on a tube. I, I was on a tube recently, actually, and it was all kicking off, and the whole carriage... And I didn't need to get involved. I was watching it as a fan- it was a fascinating social experience. There were these two lads on there with skateboards, and they were being right idiots, right idiots. And they are being a bit mouthy to this woman. And then they just said something, and she burst into tears. And she just went, my sister died last week, right? She died of cancer, and you idiots, feel free that you can come on here. You idiots are still alive. And, you can-. and they then felt bad and were trying to make up for it. And everyone just went, lads... Leave her alone. Go on. Jog on. You've upset her. Just get down the other end of the carriage, They let it get boys. to the point where she cried, though. Yeah, they did. They did. It was, in, it was interesting to watch. But I always... I, I, I tend to step in. Unless, you know... Unless, it's but say, I told about, you... It's the funny thing about commuting, though, isn't it? Yeah. That you get on the train and you shut down. No one looks at each other. No one speaks. Sometimes... I remember... OK, here we go. I remember being 16. I remember this vividly. Uh, coming back from a Transvision Vamp concert. That's, that dates me. Coming back from Brixton. 16. It's only like the third time I've been in London. And there was this old pervert on there trying to touch me and my mate up. We were six, we were obviously kids, right? And he was trying to touch us up at half past 11 at night. And I was terrified. And we jumped on one tube and then jumped off and he followed us. And he was, he was doing all... And I said really loudly, if you touch me again, I'm going to kick you so hard in the nuts. And he carried on. And people literally had their newspapers and literally put their yep. papers up in front of them. Yeah. Isn't that mad? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, it's looking very busy between Junction 10 for the Luton Airport, Spur Road and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. And on the M25 anti-clockwise, looking at the cameras, it's very slow between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. Further afield on the M40 southbound, it's closed at Junction 8A for Oxford, between there and Junction 7 for Tame because of uh, debris on the road after an accident. And in Roxton on the A1 Great North Road, it's looking fine through the roadworks at the Black Cat Roundabout at the moment, but I expect that to start getting very busy soon. On the trains, Virgin have half-hour delays on uh, their services to Birmingham New Street, and that's also affecting London Midlands services because of emergency engineering works. Samantha Braff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. With the headlines, I'm Simon Oxley. Labour is urging the government to call an emergency summit to discuss how to ease the pressure on the NHS. Officials say emergency services across Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire are reaching crisis point. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. A court's heard a doctor who worked at hospitals in Buckinghamshire indecently assaulted young girls, thinking no one would believe a child over him. 79-year-old Michael Salmon, worked at Stoke Mandeville denies the alleged offences between 1973 and 1988. And Sainsbury's has reported a drop in sales over the key Christmas trading period. The supermarket chain said like-for-like sales, excluding fuel, fell 1.7% in the 14 weeks to January the 3rd. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A stoppage time equaliser gave Everton a one-all draw at home to West Ham in last night's FA Cup third round tie. Here's relieved Everton manager Roberto Martinez. Once you concede a goal against a West Ham side that you're always open to concede from dead ball situations, they're specialists on that. We were disappointed with that. But the character we shown from that point was remarkable. Remember that we are not in a in the most confident mood at the at this moment of the season and to find that reaction, to find that that way of playing from that point on was of a, of a huge satisfaction. Also last night, Chesterfield, who finally saw off the MK Dons last Friday, drew two all at Scunthorpe. Steve Nidge have made two permanent signings from Peterborough. Tom Conlon has joined after a spell on loan at the Lamex. Michael Richens has signed following a loan spell at Farnborough. And the first major move of the transfer window is edging closer, with Manchester City set to sign the Swansea striker Wilfred Boney for around £30 million. Milton Keynes, Dons and Luton are among ten clubs in League one and two who have ruled out the possibility of signing convicted rapist Ched Evans. BBC Sport has contacted clubs in League One and Two since news of Evans' potential signing for Oldham broke at the weekend. Stevenage and Wickham confirmed they'd not been approached about signing Evans, but wouldn't comment further. And ahead of tomorrow's League Two game at home to Shrewsbury, several Luton first-team squad players featured in yesterday's 2-1 development win over Bournemouth. There were goals for Ross Lafayette and Charlie Walker. Alex Wall and Pelly Ruddock also featured. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at eight. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, I've just seen... Front page of the Guardian. Guardian? Yes. That's not bad. I'll stick... I'll pretend I said that deliberately. Front page of the Guardian. That's not bad, is it? It's good. Yeah. Front page of the Guardian. What do you mean? The Guardian. Oh, yes, very good. Uh, Into the Groove, John Harris on a vinyl renaissance. Boom. That's us, that's you and me, baby. There is a vinyl renaissance going on in my house at the moment. You've got a brilliant new old record player, which um, you got all upset because it cost you a fortune. No, it didn't. And you sent me a text saying, I don't work, it sounds all rubbish. I said, "Send send me a little bit of vid, let's see what's going on. I fixed it remotely. But have you got the, the audio of what it sounded like? Oh, said, let's see. Oh, it sounds all, it sounds all gritty. I but thought I it think... sounded good, but it was... It did, and, and, then, said... and then I took it upstairs and it was really awful and I thought I must have, um, like, bashed it or something. I fixed it. Hang on. That's... I fixed it remotely. You love a bit of vinyl, don't you, Just? Oh, I absolutely love it. I, I love those crackles. Oh, well, oh, yes. just, just a reminder, guys, uh, every Friday from now on, it's Vinyl Friday between 6 and 7. All the music we play will be uh, from a record. Uh, and what's brilliant is uh, uh, it's given me and Catherine a great excuse to just go and buy loads of records off eBay and from Andy's uh, around I've the corner. Stop. I've got room. <laughs> Guys, I think you're missing something here. So, the front page of The Guardian talking about uh, a vinyl resurgence. Yep. Um, you've been on social media recently saying, Guys, we're doing this on a Friday, vinyl only. Yep. Do you not think maybe he's heard you and now he's coming up with no, his own features? Mate, what do you reckon? Mate, it, it wouldn't be the first time yeah, that yeah. Um, someone has stolen my ideas. Yes. Scott Mills. Anyone? I'm not. No, he's a great presenter. He's a great yeah, presenter. Just the thief. No. Hey. Heard Steve Lamack getting people to give us his, his favourite vinyl tunes the other day, and he's been doing it for years. So I think we should pipe down. No. Pipe up. Pipe up. Mm. Pipe is at the gates of dawn mm. on vinyl. The Pink Floyd. The Pink Floyd. <laughs> before they went uh, up their own backside. Uh, classic album Sundays uh, is uh, an event that hosts uh, um, that they play records. 
classic album Sundays, they just sit down. There's loads of people. They just sit down and play records. Oh. I know somebody in Flitwick who does that, actually. His name is Jim. Um, he's a, a massive music fan. Morning, every, sing- every single Sunday, he digs out all of his old soul vinyl. Luther Vandross, Change, and Tumay. He gets out all the old soul classics, puts them on his record player. I think he's got about seven turntables, and he has a vinyl Sunday every single Sunday. Well, this is brilliant. Uh, um, uh, classic albums. Is, uh, who is this person? Murphy, somebody, who hosts this. Colleen Murphy has about 10,000 records in her home. This is a great article. I'm, I know what I'm doing after the show. Um, and she plays... Um, they, they get people to go and introduce records, and they play records. Oh. Hey, where's that cafe, Justin? Ah, I was going to say, yes, in Watford. We need to go there. Uh, Carrie, I know Carrie's a big fan of yours. Morning, Carrie. I'm sure she's listening right now. Yes, in Watford, they have the Vinyl Cafe. Um, it's at the top of the town centre. Right. Uh, by the new lake, if you like, up there. And uh, basically, you go in and you order a coffee and you take a piece of vinyl off of the wall and you put the vinyl on behind the counter whilst you're having a coffee. It's brilliant. Uh, Catherine, do you want to go down there one day next week and record a little piece for me? Yeah, and on, listen to this. Oh, listen to this, Just. So Catherine mm. sent me this video saying, oh, my record player don't work. <laughs> go on. There we go. Oh, that was it. Hang on. Oh, flipping heck. Blooming mind don't work. Here we go. That. Scratchy scratch. Yeah. Scratchy scratch. I I fixed it straight away, Just. Yeah, well, you're a clever guy. Do you know what the problem is with those old record players? Not the problem, the bonus. Mm. Hang on, what are you playing now? Listen to this, right? Is that Be My Baby? Wrong speed. No. But you're close, Kelly. Can you hear what's wrong with that, Justin? Um, I think there could well be... Um, has she got Dust a problem the with the needle? needle? She's got the problem with the needle. Well, everyone spotted it. Yeah. With those old record players, you can flip the needle over. One side's for 78s, one side's for 45s. 78s, which had massive grooves, so they'd have a needle on that yeah. were like a darning needle rather than a tiny little, mm. what was called a micro-groove needle. A micro-groove. See, right. I've educated myself. But Friday, we're bringing records in. You're all welcome to bring records in, team, and we'll just, mm. we'll just kind of put them in a bag. And we will take them out. This is better. Oh, blimey. Hang on, so no, we're listening to a video. Beautiful. Aren't it awful? I fixed it. diagnosis, Doctor. I fixed it. At Friday, we're playing records. Also, Friday between <laughs> half past seven and eight o'clock, and then I've put a big thing about it on Facebook. Uh, people can just turn up to the studio and come in and sit down and have a chat with us. I'm prepared to make the teas and coffees. Well, I'm Justin! Prepared. I'm prepared, guys. Come on. Someone... If people are going to come in, let's make them welcome. I'm prepared to do that. You don't have to worry. You can sit okay. in the studio. I'll look after them. Some uh, uh, We've had a couple of... Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. I explain this in more detail detail. Go and have a look. And loads of you have. Loads of you have said you're interested. Two questions that have popped up. Someone has said, well, what happens if 3,000 people turn up? We do it in the car park. Yeah. We do the show from the car park. And someone said, oh, I'd love to come, but I've got kids. Bring the kids, babe. Bring your nan. Bring, <laughs> bring, if you've got someone in a wheelchair, bring them in, baby. Everybody's <laughs> welcome. Everybody's welcome. Now, Justin. Yeah. Stepping in. Yes. This story we spoke to Nick, not his real name. Um, who was a 23-year-old lad, was on a tube. As he got off the tube, he was greeted with a whole load of abuse. People walked past. One person stepped in to tell him to calm down. Oh, no, tell him to leave it alone, because yeah. right, it's not worth it. I have been uh, abused on a train by a group of... This was a couple of years ago. 
a group of uh, kids, they're about 13, 14, 15, there are about 10 or, or, or 12 of them, and it was horrible, it sounds, oh, it was kids, it was horrible, mate, they tried to snatch my phone off me. Really? And they recognised me from the telly. Uh. And so they made me say, they made me say abusive things. What? And I said them because I didn't want to get a kicking. They made you say humiliating things. They made me say... Like what? About the sort of programmes you used to do. They made me say, and I have to ch- change some of the language. Yeah. Right? The group of kids made me say this on a train, right? And um, uh, it was humiliating. I make gay films about gay men having sex. They made you say that? But in more... Um... More colloquial language, yeah. They made me say that, yeah. How many kids again? There's about a dozen of them. Mm. And how old were they? About 14, 15. You probably couldn't take a dozen, could you? Probably <laughs> maybe a dozen. <laughs> well, I don't, it, was, dozen. It, it was... And I was sat down, and they were all stood up around me, and there was one other person on the train, and when they got off, he looked at me and went, well, that's the price of fame, I suppose. Well, Thanks no, a lot, you no, bum. it's not really. You step in. Um, I, I've been abused before, actually. And I'm um, sorry about that, Justin. That was out of order of my part. I, I got accused of pushing into a queue, which I didn't. Accused. And, um, yeah, I got abused, and it was absolutely horrible. Again, everyone just stood there and did absolutely nothing. And the thing is... You kind of think, we're big lads, oh, it's a load of kids, or whatever it was in your... It's intimidating. You know, it it's is. It's scary. Absolutely, and um, I've been on the streets this morning asking people if they would step in. Now, I thought that most people would say no. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised by what people have been saying this morning. Uh, would you step in? Boss, here's what people had to say. So, sir, if you saw somebody being abused, either on a, a train, on a, a bus, or simply on the street... Would you step in? Would you help? What, what do you think you might do? Um, well, I would like to think that I would. I mean, these days, obviously, you've got to be a bit more careful, but I was raised by my mother and my grandmother, and it's the right thing to do. It's absolutely the right thing to do. Have you ever stepped in before at any point in your life? Yeah, Yes, I have. What happened? It, it, was, it was a domestic, which you never really want to get into, but he raised his hand to her. He didn't actually hit her, but he raised his hand and I stepped in. Um, and fortunately, a few other people saw me step in and decided to be a little brave and it was diffused at that point. Where was that one? The High Street? Or? That, was, that was actually in the town centre a few years ago now, but in, the, in Luton Town Centre. Glenn, if you saw somebody being abused, yeah. either physically or verbally, would you step in to help? What do you think? Yes, I would. Because that's taking advantage of someone, isn't it? Have you stepped in before to help somebody? Yes, I have, many a times. Wow. Um, tell us what happened. Um, the other person literally just backed off, stopped abusing whoever he was abusing and just left. So when you have stepped in, you've not been scared? Is it the adrenaline which kicks in? Probably, yeah. Anna, would you step in, do you think? Yeah, I think I would. Tell us why you would. Because I've been a victim of domestic abuse in the past... Um, and it didn't end in a very good way. And, you know, even if it was, like, to stop him or her, whichever way around it was, because it goes both ways, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to try and stop it till maybe somebody called the police or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I think if somebody steps in, more people are likely to. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've said it the other day, because there was some guy just shouting at his missus for no reason. She got her head down. I said, leave her alone, you... <laughs> you know, and because he looked, he kind of looked and see what was going on. He left her alone. Whatever he did after that, I don't know. Here's the thing, Josh. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. I would never get involved with a, a, a male female couple having a fight in the street. No, and I think I've been there, done that, and I, I've done it twice, and I've heard stories from other people. Mm-hmm. They both 
turn on you. But they can do. But then again, I suppose in the heat of the moment, like that man said there at the start, he, he saw it happening. He saw a man. He was raising his hand towards a woman. Um, it was instinctive for him to, to get involved and well. do something before she was hit. Yes, I know it's probably wrong to get involved, but, but he couldn't stop himself in the heat of the moment. Uh, Justin, uh, excellent stuff. Have we got you out on anything else? Uh, not at the moment, but uh, whatever you fancy, I'm here. I'm the, on the streets. The streets need me. I need the streets. Uh, let's. Have we got anything, Catherine? Should we have a little think? Let's have a think. We'll have a, Justin, we'll have a little think. Um, did he just say what I think he said? What? The streets need him and he and needs... And I need the, the streets, He yeah. did say that, didn't he? Yeah. What an absolute plum. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's looking very busy on the A1M southbound around Junction 7 for Stevenage and looking at the M25 anti-clockwise that's still very slow between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4. Further afield on the M40 southbound um, between Junction 8A for Oxford and 7 for Tamers. There are long queues after an accident earlier but it has reopened. In Hewenden Valley coming out of High Wycombe it's very busy on Valley Road between Oxford Road and Criers Hill Road and in Bishop Stortford on the A120 westbound it's looking very slow on the speed sensors between Haddon Road and Albury Road. On the trains, there are half-hour delays to Birmingham New Street for Virgin Trains and London Midland services. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. Seven forty-five. It's Wednesday, the seventh of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Labour is urging the government to call an emergency summit to discuss how to ease the pressure on the NHS. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. And Sainsbury's has reported a drop in sales over the key Christmas trading period. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Your calls after the weather with Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. A chilly start across all three counties. Some places down in the minus one, minus two mark. So some frost on windscreens this morning. It is a cold, crisp start to the day. Plenty of sunshine at first. But as we head through, the cloud will increase. The wind increases. And with it, we could see one or two outbreaks of rain. But really not until dusk this evening. Maximum temperature, nine Celsius. Now, the cloud continues to increase overnight. Hanging on to the breeze and more persistent outbreaks of rain, likely some heavier bursts in there as well. But the temperature gradually gets getting milder by dawn we could be in double figures so a mild start for Thursday quite a damp dull start quite a lot of cloud around maybe one or two spots of rain but that will clear and gradually we should start to see some clearer spells as we head through tomorrow afternoon the temperature likely to get colder but the maximum 10 celsius and that's your forecast If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. But we're happy to celebrate Elstree's past. People don't realise, they just simply do not know the output that's come from this little town in Hertfordshire. But there is a way you can hear it all again. People used to walk along the high street, famous people such as Sophia Loren and Elizabeth Taylor. bbc.co.uk slash threecountiesradio, allowing you to listen to what you missed. The biggest Hollywood names, they've all fallen in love with it. There was always different stars coming in and out. That was always nice about that. When I first got there, I wanted to see the soundstage where we were to construct one of our largest sets, which was the Well of the bbc.co.uk slash three counties radio april's emailed <clears throat> my husband has used the christmas holidays to teach our son six next month how to use the record player uh, you've only just started teaching him 
My boy learned how to use the record player at the age of two. And I gave him uh, the, fir- the first ever record I was given. The Monkees, I'm a believer, backed with I'm Not Your Stepping Stone. Since then, every evening, he's been having a vinyl re- revival. Vinyl revival. He selects the record, checks the speed, makes sure the needle is dust-free, sets it up and plays it. I think it's good. And your, have your girls got to the record player yet, or have you not let them touch it? They have shown an interest. I might let them have a go on the cheaper record player rather than the vintage one. I think it's good because it shows the uh, the kids that uh, music is a, is a physical thing. It's not just this, this MP3 thing that's floating around in the ether. It's a physical thing that you have to interact with. The records, you've got to take out the sleeve, you whack it on, you get the right... You've got to be, you're, you're involved with it. I got the dance set out yesterday yep. and my dad was there and he was thrilled yeah, to bits although he pretended he, was. he wasn't because it's quite dry my dad but yep. he said your mother's going to love this did he, did he dig out Abbey Road by he, the Beatles? He went home and he got a load of his records and Abbey Road by the Beatles? Help! No he's keeping Abbey Road I'll give you help in a bit he's going <laughs> oh, Don't him. No I'm not going What? It's a good album Opening track Side 2 Just before the medley kicks in What? 08459 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, kids in Luton are being encouraged to take up boxing as a means of staying on the straight and narrow. As part of Pro Boxing Month. Pro Boxing Month? I mean, I, mm, two young professional fighters will be talking to 11 to 19-year-olds at boxercise classes in Farley Hill about the benefits of the purer form of the sport. I'm never sure about this, Catherine, whether um, teach, boxing, teaching kids boxing, and it's different from boxercise, but teaching kids boxing... But it's supposed to keep kids on the straight and narrow and teach them discipline. Well, you teach them how to smack someone in the face. And I've seen the old films where, you know, New York Irish lads used to get dragged into gymnasiums, usually by uh, priests who would teach them how to fight the fair fight and everything. Yeah. If I remember rightly, that was also prime uh, recruiting ground for hoodlums. <laughs> hoodlums, hoods. Well, Frank Malley is the author of Living on the Deadline, a book about his experience as a sports writer for the Express and the Press Association. Morning, Frank. Good morning. Uh, am I missing something? This, this learning boxing, teaching boxing to kids, teaches them discipline and respect and all of that, it just sounds like thuggery to me. <laughs> well, it's very difficult to justify boxing in, uh, in many ways, isn't it? On a simplistic level, it's probably the only mainstream sport uh, where the primary objective is actually to render your opponent senseless. I can't think of any other sport which has that primary objective. So, um, in that sense, um, yes, very difficult to uh, justify. Uh, I, I do think, though, you're giving it a little bit of a hard, uh, hard build-up there because amateur boxing is renowned for its discipline, in actual fact, and amateur boxing actually has gone a long, long way to make its sport uh, as safe as it possibly can. I think there's a big difference between professional boxing and amateur boxing. So what are the differences? I'm assuming they get the, the amateur boxers wear the head guards... Amateur boxers were, were the head guards, of course, and the junior doctor, uh, the, the junior boxers, which you will be talking, um, which really you're talking about in many respects. I mean, a lot of their work is, is fitness work. It's uh, so they go in, they'll go into a gym, they'll be skipping, they'll be doing a lot of um, mental strength work, they'll be doing a lot of uh, running, they will be doing a lot of shadow boxing and on the pads and that sort of thing. You know, they're not that's to strengthen your punches, though, isn't it? To, to give you stronger punches. <laughs> Well, I suppose that's the, the, the idea, is to strengthen physically and to strengthen mentally, and I think it does that. I don't think it breeds... I honestly don't think it breeds thugs. Um, in fact, Amir Khan, who opened his Bolton gym uh, up in, in Bolton about uh, two or three years ago, 
he he rings that the crime rate in Bolton, the youth crime rate, went down about six months after he opened his gym, and he puts it down. It puts it down to that, so I don't know whether that's true or not, but it's one school of thought. When we've spoken to youth workers in the past, we've been told that, you know, the reason why young people carry knives really isn't an aggressive thing, is because they're frightened, and uh, I wonder whether this could, you know, in some way help them feel a bit more confident as they walk down the street. Well, you were talking before about, you know, kids on the train and that. I, honestly, I don't think you'd find too many um, kids who'd had the discipline of going into a boxing club and training physically, I mean, and, you know, under, under coaches as well. I don't think you'd find an awful lot of them giving you a lot of trouble on the train, to be honest. But that's still... Because I'm confused by this word discipline, Frank. I, it, it, they're disciplined in what respect? Because there is that underlying level of violence, isn't it? That, that, what, that they are disciplined enough they know how they're a bit tasty in a fight. Well, no, no, it's not like that. I don't think it's like that at all. I think it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, sort of taekwondo, jiu-jitsu, karate... Boxing, they're all teaching. They're all teaching control. Yeah. They're all teaching control and um, physical physical strength. Yes, but also mental discipline. It's you funny because bo- I wouldn't let my boys box, but I'd let my boys do karate. I did kung fu years ago. I'd let my boys do that. That's even worse. That's got kicking in as well. <laughs> Instead of just punching, that's got feet involved. Exactly. Thai boxing, of course. Um, it, it has, and on the surface. You know, that looks as if that would be a terrible thing to teach your kids. But I don't think, I think it's the peripheral thing that goes with it as well. I do think, though, you have to make sure that any club that your children go to have got all the safeguards, but yeah. then that they've got good coaches as well, um, that they, 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 they teach them the right way, that they have a good mentoring system. A lot of them do these days, and a lot of them are controlled, and a lot of it's the, the amateur boxing uh, board of control. It licenses licenses to these places. They don't. Most of them don't just open up like you were talking about. This sort of the new, in the New York ghettos of old. They're not places like that these days. Is boxing? Will we still have boxing in fifty years' time? Do you think, Frank? Because it has it has changed. They they have changed the rules. They have made it safer, and you you don't get the characters like the Brunos or the Tysons anymore, do you? You don't. In fact, you know, I mean, the difficulty with boxing these days is that you may have 80 weight divisions and nobody knows who's the, the world champion, the heavyweight champion, or any other champion um, in any weight division these days. Um, one disconcerting little thing that um, I saw a few months ago, that there's this craze going around America called big knockout boxing. Oh, blimey. Where they're making the rings very small, there are no ropes in the ring, and they're making the, bo- they're making the gloves uh, small as well. And the, the whole intention is that they get more knockouts. So it's not, you know, t- technical on, on points and that, they will get more knockouts. I su- so I suppose that's kind of an extension from the, uh, what do they call it, U- ultimate boxing, the mixed martial arts things, where it's just like 12 blokes doing whatever they want to do to each other. Yeah, it's more like the human form of cockfighting, in my opinion, but um, I, I, I just hope boxing doesn't go that way. Um, because boxing, I don't think, will have a future if it does. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing, the biggest uh, thing to destroy boxing's credibility was Mike Tyson, I think, mm. and his savagery. Frank, your book is uh, Living on the Deadline. Uh, it's about your experiences as a sports writer for The Express. Why did you write it? I wrote it basically because I'd been um, I'd been given the um, the opportunity to travel with the world for 25 years or more, watching every sport. Uh, where uh, basically mostly Britons were involved in in all parts of the world, and um, I'd picked up all these stories on my travels and that, 
And uh, I just thought it was, it was a great way of doing a diary. I'd never been a great diary person, but I thought maybe um, after I, I left sort of national journalism, it was a good it was a good time to jot it all down so that uh, in the future I could remember where I'd been, basically. And a few quid from it goes to charity, is that right? It does indeed. It all goes to the. It all goes to fighting multiple sclerosis, um, a disease my wife was struck down with 20 years ago. And, um, yeah, so all the proceeds go to that. Well, it's, uh, yeah, my mum's got that, and it's, it's flipping horrible. So well done, Frank. That's brilliant stuff. Nice to talk to you. We'll get you on again, if that's all right. That's fine. Thank you, Frank. Frank Malley, author of Living on a Deadline, on the deadline. Um, sounds like a good read. Pippa's in Luton. Morning, Pippa. Good morning. Let's te- teach kids boxing. Absolutely not. I totally disagree. I think it's appalling. Tell me why. Um, I just think it's violent. I don't think it teaches discipline. I've been to a couple of taekwondo matches watching the kids do their grazing, and when they're doing their open sparring, you know, we're encouraging to hit them and hit each other in the head because you get an extra point. But in taekwondo, don't you? I, I mean, I, I did kung fu years ago, but they're all padded up, aren't they? They are. And you're not you're not trying to hit them as hard as you can. It's more just making the contact and then backing off. Yes, but when when you're watching these kids doing this, and I know they're getting medals, and I know that there are good parts to it. You know, as a parent, we we went with my neighbour's um, children, and we were encouraging these kids to, to whack each other. And if you hit a get a headshot or something, you get two points. So a headshot's even better. So. Uh, I don't get it at all. Teaching them self-defence, teaching them um, uh, how to stay fit. We've got a problem with fat kids. Teaching them um, uh, respect of their bodies. Well, I don't know, because I think it's a little bit of a fine line there, purely because in Taekwondo as well, it's the child, because we are talking children here, yeah. does something that they shouldn't do or goes a little, gets a little bit too aggressive. They're actually asked to go down on their knees with their hands behind their back and facing the side of the area that they're fighting in. Is that teaching a lot? What's that teaching? I think that's teaching. Um, it, I think that's teach, uh, uh, teaching uh, discipline and respect for the referee, isn't it? Uh, Pippa, listen, it's not the greatest line. I appreciate your, your point, though, and your thoughts. And I, I, I'm not quite sure my thoughts. So I know I used to learn Kung Fu when I was about 12. I used to love it. I used to go in tournaments, get the whatever kicked out of me. But I used to enjoy it. 08459 455 555. That's what we'll send Dealey out on. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, there's been an accident between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and 12 for Flittick. It's involving three cars that's causing queues there on the M1 northbound. On the M40 southbound, but further afield between Junction 8A for Oxford and 7 for Tame, there's been an accident that's causing queues uh, between there. And on the M25 anti-clockwise, there are long queues between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 15 for the M4 with the usual morning rush traffic. In Watford on Station Road, it's very heavy away from Watford just before St Albans Road and in Stevenage on North Road there are queues on the approach to the temporary traffic lights that are in place at Temporary Lane so those queues start around Church Lane. On the trains there are half hour delays on Virgin and London Midland services to Birmingham New Street and knock on delays because of those emergency engineering works going on there. Samantha Braff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you! 08459 455 555 Teaching Kids Boxing what do you think? Good idea? Let's get the news. Here's Simon. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
It's eight o'clock. The headlines A&D reaching crisis point in beds and hearts. Sainsbury's reports drop in Christmas sales and police release CCTV after man suffers homophobic abuse. BBC Three Counties Radio. Labour's urging the government to call an emergency summit to discuss how to ease the pressure on the NHS. Officials say emergency services across Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire are reaching crisis point. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. GPs have been helping out in A&E at Bedford Hospital. Nearby Addenbrooke's in Cambridge has become the latest hospital to declare a major incident. Dr Nicholas Smith is from the Milton Keynes Clinical Commissioning Group. There's certainly a workforce issue, so staffing. I mean, we have got um, extra funding to, to employ more staff over this winter period as we do every year, um, but the difficulty is being able to bring in enough temporary staff to cope with this very busy period. Sainsbury's has reported a drop in sales over the key Christmas trading period. The supermarket chain said like-for-like sales, excluding fuel, fell 1.7% in the 14 weeks to January the 3rd. Adam Parsons is from the BBC's business unit. Not great. However, got to say, better than forecast. Some people predicting that these would be down uh, about 3% for Sainsbury's. So it's 1.7 is the figure. They say the outlook for the remainder of the year, financial year, is set to remain challenging. A court's heard a doctor who worked at hospitals in Buckinghamshire indecently assaulted young girls, thinking no one would believe a child over him. 79-year-old Michael Salmon from Salisbury, who worked at Stoke Mandeville Hospital in Aylesbury and the Royal Buckingham Hospital, denies the alleged offences between 1973 and 1988. The case continues. David Cameron will meet the German leader Angela Merkel in Downing Street today. He's expected to seek her support for his ideas on EU reform. Form. Police have released CCTV images of a woman after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse at Northwood Station near Watford. The incident happened in November. British Transport Police say the abuse was entirely unprovoked. The victim, who wishes to remain anonymous, told this programme what happened. She said, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be allowed to take the train, oh. being the sexual orientation that I am. Um, I should be ashamed of myself. Um, how, uh, yeah, just a lot of things that I can't actually repeat, but yeah, it, it was and uh Whipsnade Zoo is carrying out its annual stock take today. The Bedfordshire Zoo is home to more than 2,500 animals. The compulsory count is required as part of their licence. The information is used to manage the international breeding programmes for endangered animals. In sport, a stoppage time equaliser gave Everton a one-all draw at home to West Ham in last night's FA Cup third round tie. And Stevenage confirmed the permanent signings of Tom Conlon and Michael Richens from Peterborough after loan spells. The weather dry with sunny spells this morning. Some rain this afternoon, though. A maximum temperature 8 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is for you, Benjamin. What a great idea. Oh, no, hang on. Not that one. built on blocks. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. I'm oh. trying, to be, trying to be smooth. Hang on. This is for you, Benjamin. Just around the bend 
Teaching boxing to kids. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And if you saw it kicking off on the tube, by kicking off, I meant someone getting picked on or shouted at or or, or abused. Flashed out in my case. Yes. Would you step in? Would you step in and have a go? I, the thing is, it's easy to say, and this is what I meant to say to Justin after his piece earlier. It's easy to say, oh yeah, I would. We all like to think we would, but until you've been in that situation, the human brain is a very, very odd thing, and you c- it just shuts down. There have been times when I found myself confronting someone that I never dreamed I would, yeah. and other times when I'm ashamed to say I've frozen. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? And especially when you're on the on the train, because you do tend to shut down and not look at anyone. And of course, it's slightly easy for me because I'm quite a big. I'm, I'm a tall bloke. I'm Although a tall, broad bloke. You're more bloke. likely to get punched. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A friend of mine's a teacher, and she said if there's ever a fracas between yeah. a parent and a teacher, they'll send a female teacher along. But if I'm if I'm if I'm stepping in to if there's, if there's let's just say there is a woman being shouted at on the tube, and I think I've stepped into this situation. If I step in and say, "Oi, mate, give it a break," and I do, I go a bit cockney. Oi, fella, leave it out. Uh, the, the shock factor of a tall, broad-shouldered gentleman stepping in, as opposed to a, uh, I don't know, a, a, a five-foot-three bloke, it, uh, that would, it might be enough to shut someone up. I think, in the strange way that our brains work. Well done, by the way. You um, resisted having a pop at me being a short woman <laughs> with short arms. No, because I was going to say woman, but I think if a tiny woman stepped in, that would definitely silence it. You think? You get a five-foot-one woman going, "Oh, fella, leave it out." I think that would Is stop. That my voice. I didn't say By the way, that. I'm five foot six. 
I think that would stop it. Um, Karen in Welling Garden City says, talking of tube travel and people not looking up or talking, etc. Yeah. One of the nicest times I can remember on tubes was London 2012. Oh, no. By the way, I can see the phone ringing. I'll be there in a second. Um, we went to the athletics. I drove to Loughton to get a tube to Stratford. I can remember looking at the tube map and people talking to me. Hey, what stop do you want, etc. And on the tube, people talking to you randomly. And I thought at the time, I wish it could last. Everyone was so nice. We can do it, says Karen, a call uh, to arms. Too late. We can't. Remember the Olympic uh, vibe that we got? Well, that went... 08459 555555 If you have ever stepped in or someone has stepped in on your behalf could you give us a call and let us know please Now the people who run the NHS in Bedfordshire will give an update on their review of services at Bedford and Milton Keynes hospitals this morning Their A&E department are among a dozen or so across the country to admit they're struggling to keep up with demand over the past few days Bedford's drafted in GPs to make up the numbers and encouraging ambulance staff to only bring in the most needy cases. Meanwhile, Milton Keynes has had to open up 34 extra beds for patients needing acute treatment. And there's still talk of uh, two hospitals, uh, Bedford and Milton Keynes. Well, merging has been ruled out, although I think it's just semantics. Uh, There was definitely talk of sharing services, according to our guest earlier on from the Milton Keynes CCG. Dave Hodgson is the Liberal Democrat Mayor of uh, Bedford. Dave, in a nutshell, how would you describe this healthcare review? Morning, Lee. Um, well, I just think it's, it's folly. I mean, the, uh, the CCG, the, the commissioners, are discussing it this morning, uh, and the report from the hospital itself is, is quite damning. Um, it's just saying that it's based on flawed assumptions, and we've seen uh, this uh, around Christmas time, the pressure on A&E, and we've got to congratulate Bedford Hospital. I mean, they're one of a very few number of hospitals that have actually hit their A&E targets, their waiting times of four hours, uh, and that wants to be commended. But we've seen huge pressures on A&E in Bedford, Milton Keynes, and around the country. So how can they even be considering downgrading either Bedford or Milton Keynes Hospital in terms of the A&E? And the report says that... Um, Three out of ten people will have A&E services delivered somewhere else in Bedford and Milton Keynes Hospital if this review goes forward. And that seems just sheer folly, sheer folly. We spoke to Dr Nicola Smith, uh, chair of the Milton Keynes CCG. She said that the hospitals wouldn't be merging as there would still be two separate physical um, uh, uh, locations, but that services could be shared. So some services would stay in Milton Keynes, some services would stay in Bedford. What do you think to that, Dave? And it all depends what services. We already see things like Moorfield doing the eye hospital and sharing work with them. We share work with Adam Brooks. But the basic services in A&E, maternity, paediatrics, uh, both Bedford and Milton Keynes Hospital need those. And we've seen that both areas are growing. Uh, and we've seen the pressure on the, at the moment. Uh, it's huge pressure, and I don't think this is going to get any easier. We've got to make sure we, we use A&E correctly, uh, but we do need a, a full A&E. Ch- changes are needed, aren't they? In this, uh, um, mm. uh, to, to quote Paul McCartney, in this ever-changing world in which we live in, there are massive stresses on the NHS, and I guess some bits could be used more responsibly and more efficiently. Absolutely. I mean, we're seeing people going to A&E with with, uh, uh, non-life-threatening emergency conditions. Now, just not registering with a GP, not going to to a pharmacy first, and not going to their GP, not going to the drop-in centre, but using A&E as a first port of call. And we've got to make sure that people don't do that. That puts huge pressure on our services. Is anything going to come out of this public meeting today, Dave, or is it just one of those ones that is going to stall things a bit longer? 
Well, I, I worry it's going to store stuff longer. We've already spent, I mean, this one cost 3.2 million. The one before, Healthier Together, was over 2 million. We just seem to be hammering. Oh, Healthier money. Together, I remember that. That was uh, good, uh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, so we're just reiterating <laughs> it. I don't think anything's going to happen for months. And then we just wait and see uh, uh, what is happening. But we do need to change stuff. But so maybe some more fundamental stuff about how we deliver the frontline services and t- people going to GPs more. Dave, uh, wouldn't it be nice to get you on to talk about a fun thing one day? Hey, wouldn't it, Jeff? We'll, wouldn't we'll, it, Jeff? We'll, we'll, we'll see that we, we'll, we'll make sure we do that. Dave Hodgson, uh, Liberal Democrat Mayor of Bedford. Um, we'll get him on to talk about something more positive one day, uh, perhaps. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Boxing. 08459 455 It's what, what is the name of this, um, this event? Pro Boxing Month. Yeah. Pro Boxing Month, and uh, so two young professional fighters are going to be talking to 11 to 19 year olds at boxer size classes. Now, boxer size, it's just uh, trendy exercise with, with punching in it. Yeah. And it's not actual fighting boxer size years ago, and it's, it, it's not, you're not boxing. You're, mm-hmm. you're throwing punches, and you're, but you're hitting a pad. You're mm-hmm. hitting a guy who's holding a pad, and then you're doing weights and doing. That, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so to then introduce actual boxing seems an interesting twist. Tell you what's interesting. Yeah, John's a fighter. Hey, not a lover. <laughs> Morning, John. Hi. Morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. You, you. So, when you say fighter, are you a boxer or do you do a bit of karate? Um, I do both. Oh. I've um, started doing a little bit of judo when I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, when I turned 25, I started doing jujitsu. Yeah. Um, I ended up with a black belt and then ended up starting karate and kickboxing. And um, I still do it now. Okay. Now, because um, th- 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 I, th- in my head, John, I think there is a significant difference between boxing, which I consider, and by the way, I like watching the boxing, but I consider boxing to be thuggish uh, and uh, karate and kung fu to be a little bit more, um, well, to be artistic almost. Um, well, anyone that you're going to speak to that's a boxer that takes it seriously can, is going to consider them um, an artist in that, in that particular sort of sport. Yeah. Um, so uh, that may go against your argument there. Boxing, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak as I find, John, and I hope you, you, you know, you'll, you'll appreciate I'm just trying to be honest, OK? These are my knee-jerk reactions. I always think that people who do martial arts are significantly more intelligent than boxers, and I tend to think, rightly or wrongly, the prejudice I have, the boxers are thick. Yeah, I think it is a prejudice, and it's probably come from just a spectator point of view. Go on. And with the chap that was on earlier, yeah. I didn't really hear the full story, but and I've got nothing against him. But from where I sit, he's just reported events yeah. that he's gone to to view. That was Frank Murray, um, yeah, he's a sports writer, yeah. yeah. So he's not been in a gym, he's not trained, um, he's not done the sport. Um, and he's not gone around different martial arts and, and compared. Teaching boxing... Sorry, John, just yeah. to interrupt, because we're going out of time, and I, I appreciate you coming on. Teaching boxing to kids, though, is it really a sensible idea? Um, I think we're losing the point. I think teaching kids sport is the thing that's really, really important. Um, would you put a, a small child in a Formula One car? No, you wouldn't. Um, if you... Um, with my students, the way I teach... Uh, I would never put a white belt in a competitive match with a black belt because the match is not going to work right yeah. and it's going to be dangerous for somebody. Um, equally, 
kids in school these days, they're playing tag rugby. They're not playing full-blown rugby sport. So I think, yes, it is safe if the environment is made safe and it's regulated and, um, you know, there's proper care afterwards if someone has an accident. John, you said something really interesting to me off air. You said that you came from quite a rough part of the East End and you put a lot of your success down to the discipline you um, gained through fighting. Um, Fairly significantly, the the main thing that has turned my life around from being something that was winding up to be very, very problematic um, is martial arts and boxing. What, so you learned to channel your aggression or you felt more confident? What would you... Um, I did, the problem was I didn't know how to work aggression into conversation and, and level it out. Any confrontation that come my way um, would be extremely frightening. Uh, working in martial arts, working in boxing, I got to a point where you realise that the person that's shouting at you is probably not actually capable. It gives you an air of confidence and it gives you an ability to be able to see a situation for really what it is John, final, and, work, and work your way away from Final it. question, and this will prove just how good a martial artist you are or whether you're a charlatan, sir. Who'd, yeah. win, in, who'd win in the fight, Bruce Lee or Jackie Chan? <laughs> uh, Bruce Lee. He knows his stuff! He knows his stuff! Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. There was an accident on the M1 northbound between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and 12 for Flittick. It has all been reopened, but there is a still long queues through there. On the M1 southbound, it's looking very busy between Junction 9 for Redbourne and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. And on the M40 southbound, it has all reopened, but there are still queues for five miles approaching Junction 7 for Tame after an accident there earlier in St Debris on the road. In Hewenden Valley, on Valley Road, coming out of High Wycombe, it's very busy from Oxford Road to Criers Hill Road. And in Stevenage, on North Road, there are queues on the approach to the temporary traffic lights that have been put in place at Rectory Lane. On the A1 southbound, looking at the speed sensors, it's very slow from the St Neots Junction to the Black Cat Roundabout through the roadworks. And on the trains, Virgin Midland have 15-minute delays to Birmingham New Street now, and that's also affecting London Midland services after the emergency engineering works earlier run, although those have now been fixed. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. So, so controversial in her delivery. Wonderful stuff. And yeah, that fellow was right. Of course Bruce Lee would destroy Jackie Chan. 8.17, it's Wednesday the 7th of January. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Labour is urging the government to call an emergency summit to discuss how to ease the pressure on the NHS. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. And the first of the big supermarkets to report its sales for the Christmas period, Sainsbury's has said that its figures were down. See Three Counties Radio. You having fun last night, weren't you? Hey, what, what? 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 You were having fun last night, weren't you? Why was I having fun? What was I doing? You were reminiscing about when your little doggy was a puppy. Oh, and... I watched that program. Did you watch it? No. These stupid people. These stupid. These morons who go out and buy a dog without doing any research yep. whatsoever. Yeah. And then, and then they. <laughs> did you? Oh, you should have watched it. No. These dogs were yes. destroying people's houses. Yeah. I mean, puppies do do that anyway. Yeah. I, I found my puppy yesterday destroying one of my favourite coffee table books. What's your... Sorry? How many... How many f- one of your favourite coffee table books? How many favourite well, coffee table books Well, I have a selection of have? coffee table books which on book, my coffee which, table. Which book were they destroying? It was my gentleman book. Um, 
Uh, why are you like? Is that a euphemism? <laughs> no, it's how to be. It's how to be a gentleman. Oh, when are you going to read and it? It shows you all the. Uh, it's not all, by William Hansen, is it? All, That's charlatan. No, it's not. It's uh, It's all about you know the right things to wear at right events. Oh, I've got one of those books. You may have noticed. So, so I see. What, what are you an, an, are you going to an eighties escort convention later on? Was that was that the wrong thing to say? I, I, I didn't quite get it. To be honest. Good. Okay. Um, How rude. Was it, was it a rude comment? It was a very rude comment. Oh. He was accusing me of looking like a streetwalker. No, I was accusing... The car I was talking about, for goodness sakes. Oh, he was what, calling you some kind of... Hooch. Yes. A hooch. Oh, <laughs> you don't look like one of those, Catherine. What other coffee table books do you have? I thought it was oh, only I've my got lu- had- luxury travel books. Yeah. Photography books. Well... Uh, well. Well, you see... Oh, gosh. How the other half live? What? Well, you know, when my guests come round for coffee and nibbles... If, coffee uh, and what? Nibbles. Nibbles. If at any point they, uh, that you know, there's a lull in the conversation, they can pick up a coffee Well, you know it's going really badly if your guests sit down and start <laughs> reading a book. When we came over to your house, Johnny, yeah. you got your bongos out. Did you? Well, I've got bongos as well. That's the reason I'm, I'm never going to your house. <laughs> that and the lack of invitations. It just depends. Uh, it, it just depends what mood I'm in. Whether I fling a coffee table book at you or get my bongos out. <laughs> what is on your show today? Uh, coming up on the big phone in this morning from I've been very interested in this uh, story you've been talking about from Nick. Oh, yes. No, it's not yes. his real name. No. Coming up at nine this morning, I'm going to be asking, would you stick up for someone being abused in public? A 23-year-old gay man who was verbally abused on a tube near Watford has told us this morning that nobody in the carriage did anything to help. The man, we're just calling Nick, was exposed to a foul-mouthed tirade of homophobic abuse and was so threatened he called the police. The aggressor, thought to be a woman in her 30s, left the carriage at Northwood Station and British Transport Police are appealing to anyone who may know her identity. Well, I have to be honest, when I heard you talking about this story this morning, when I found out it was a woman Mm. who was the aggressor, And nobody on that carriage did anything. My natural reaction was, what a bunch of lily-livered wimps were on that train. Mm. If a woman was abusing someone on a train that I was on, I would absolutely have no qualms whatsoever about going over and getting involved. In fact, and it was interesting you were talking about, uh, you know, what stage you would get involved. Surely what you do is you make a judgment on, if this kicks off, could I... Could I defend myself against that person? Yeah. Now, if it was a six foot five bloke, you know, built like a like a WWF wrestler who looked thoroughly unpleasant, yeah. I might think twice. See, now I stepped in a few weeks ago with a bloke who was taller than me and looked like a WWF wrestler. Really? He was cheeking a woman in McDonald's. Yeah. And I told him not to be so rude and have some respect for her. That could have very easily backfired. But, Your pretty looks could have been ruined. But, but again, the, um, the, the, the judgment was um, there were a load of people around. And if he'd have gone for a punch, I could probably have ducked one punch. And, <laughs> and hopefully you, someone and would have stepped well, in Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Hopefully. Yep. They probably wouldn't. Yep. Because people generally are lily-livered wimps. Yeah. But the fact... I mean, if I'd been on that train, I would have relished the opportunity to bring out my most caustic tongue on that woman. Yeah. How dare she? And and how pathetic that nobody did anything about it. But I just wonder whether it's all well and good having that kind of gung-ho attitude. Perhaps if you do get involved and you do 
stick up for people. It can sometimes backfire on you. Maybe you've had an experience uh, that went along those lines. From nine this morning, we'll uh, we'll continue this debate. I'll be asking, would you stick up for someone being abused in public? 08459 455 555. Thank you. Every weekday from 12. We're talking to Ellis Jones uh, about her journey, which has uh, landed her in the arms of Youthscape. When I was five, my dad left our family. It's your first inclination to go, oh, I must have done something naughty. Nick Coffer. I was in a really vulnerable place. The people at Youthscape, it is literally their job to show you that they love you and care about you and whatever you're going through. Every day my job's a privilege, but every once in a while it's an even bigger privilege because I get to meet people like you. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we were just talking to Jonathan about the uh, uh, the gentleman we spoke to earlier on, called Nick, 23-year-old gay bloke, got off a tube and uh, was given a load of abuse by some stroppy woman. He reported it to the police and uh, they are investigating. Would you get involved? 08459 455 555. Uh, well, we can uh, speak to a professor of psychology and health from Lancaster University. Well, I feel a little bit humbled. It's not it's not Dr. Kerry Cooper. Is, is it Sir Kerry Cooper? Thanks, Ian. <laughs> Wait, do, do I have to call you sir now, sir? <laughs> no, 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 don't do that, please. <laughs> Wait, did, was, was that, was that um, in the recent um, uh, uh, hand? Yes, it dogs? was. Well, no, it was in uh, the June. In okay. June, I got it. June of uh, 2014, yeah. P- permission to speak freely? You, you're not British. Yes. <laughs> How did you yes, get that? Yes, I am. Yes, no, I am. I'm a dual citizen. Oh. I have been a dual citizen for about... <sighs> 15 years. Oh, man, that's good. You've worked the system. Double agent. <laughs> very, very quickly, because it does fascinate me. We'll get you on to what we've talk, wanted to talk to you about in a second. Do you, because I would, do you sign your letters, Sir Carey? Because I would totally knock that. No, 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 I know. Quite a lot of people say, hey, when you go to a restaurant, you yeah. know, or when you uh, try to upgrade on a flight or something, I don't do that. Is it not on your credit really, card? Really, I don't. Yeah, no, no credit wow. cards. Wow. I'm sorry. Well, so yeah, I'm really quite. Pr- I'm quite proud of it, Ian. But you, you know, be. I mean, I don't. I don't milk it. I no. don't milk it. Well, listen. I, it's, uh, congratulations. I was unaware of that. So, so, so well done. Uh, listen, this situation of of people witnessing uh, someone being let, let's start with verbally abusive. Why yeah. are we so reluctant to get involved? Well, you know, in psychology, we have a, a, a whole area of research called the innocent bystander effect. And what that is, is a psychologist, social psychologist trying to find out why people don't get involved. And I think it's quite simple, really, if you take a look at the evidence. Number one, they don't want to get involved because if they see somebody else, say, psychologically abusing somebody, they're worried that if they actually highlight that person, if they confront that person, what will happen is they will either get psychologically or even worse, physically abused. So that's one element. Another element tends to be the legal thing, because in situations where somebody's being abused psychologically or physically, it ends up in the courts, because this one may end up in the courts, for example, yeah. right? And, uh, uh, and if you're a bystander and you're watching this, you don't want to, you think to yourself, I don't really want to get involved. This is going to go to court. There's going to be legal proceedings. The police are going to interview me. I don't want all that kind of hassle. So that's another element. And I think another, uh, the third bit is about the fact that nobody else is doing it. You, you don't really want to put your neck on the line. And if one other person was to confront uh, that woman or in, in, in any scenario like this, then other people would come in. But if nobody's doing it, then you say to yourself, why, isn't, why aren't anybody doing it? I don't really want to do it. I don't want to put my neck on the line. 
and therefore they they walk away. But if one other person did it, if one other person confronted the abuser, no question about it, other people would do it. Yeah, you you break it. Can you train yourself to overcome your kind of natural psychological reticence? Because I, now, I am more likely to, to step in and get involved, and I have done a few times recently, I'm more likely to do it now than I was, say, 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, I, you know. funny enough, I'm sorry about this, what I'm about to say, but as you get older... Oh, blimey, here we go. Look, he gets sorry, a nightmare mate. and he disappears up his own backside. Thank <laughs> you, Kerry. There it goes. No, no, I think as you get older, really, and you, and you experience a lot of things in life, and you see that people do get abused, and, you know, it becomes very difficult. You do feel guilty, and the guilt, I think, builds up over a period of time. And you say, well, I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to turn another cheek. I'm not going to just walk away. I am going to actually kind of support and help that person. That's one element. And I think another element is, I mean, the guilt is the driver. Ultimately, you can't see too many of these instances in front of you and walk away from them and not feel guilty. So some point in time further down the line, I think you do do something. What is the thing that, because I could never spontaneously give someone a rollicking on a train. What kind of what fuse blows in someone's mind that they think it's okay to shout at someone because he looks gay? You know what I think it is. I mean, it obviously, can be you know homophobic reaction, but you know what I think a lot of these are. I think when an individual does that, it's a buildup of something else in their life, and then they take it out on some innocent person. So. They're just been told they're going to lose their job, their job insecure, their marriage is breaking down. They got all financial problems. It could be anything. And in my view, why people do that is this just becomes, you know, the final straw, the final thing in their life. And then they take it out on a, on a neutral person, not on their boss who's, who just made them redundant or their spouse or partner where they have a bad relationship, they take it out on somebody who's not going to fight back. But at the same time, that person who's already lost it and doesn't care and doesn't see this person as a, as a rounded human being, they see them as a kind of, you know, a, a, a figurehead for all the things that are annoying them in their lives. They're not going to take kindly to someone else wading in, are they? Uh, do you mean? Do you mean? Do you mean? If, as an innocent bystander, yeah, so, you're watching. So if and I you step, come in. if I step in as well, I'm going to get it as well, aren't I? Well, you're, you're likely to get it, and that's why people don't do it. <laughs> uh, Kerry, you're, you're likely to get it, either the physical abuse, or the psychological abuse, or, or even worse, the physical abuse, because they want to take it out on somebody. And they're you not in a reasonable in, state of mind either, are they? They're not in a reasonable, in my view, they're not in a reasonable state of mind, and it really isn't necessarily because somebody's... Uh, is gay or they're black or they're Jewish or whatever. I think a lot of it comes from what's troubling that person in life generally, and they need to take it out on somebody, and they, they do a symbol. Sometimes the symbol could be some, some group of people they don't like, but it could easily just be somebody who looks at them in a peculiar way, or it could be anything. The wrong place at the wrong time. Kerry, good to talk to you. Congratulations, Sir Kerry Cooper, a Professor of Psychology and Health at Lancaster University. Your thoughts, please? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The M1 northbound is very slow between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and 12 for Flitwick after an accident earlier, although it has all reopened. And on the M1 as well, there are queues on the exit slip road at Junction 14 for Milton Keynes. On the A1M southbound, looking at the speed sensors, it's very slow between Junction 8 for Stevenage and Junction 7 for the A602. And in Stevenage on North Road, there are queues on the approach to the temporary traffic lights. They've been put in place at Rectory Lane, and those queues are from Church Lane through the roadworks. On the A1 southbound, it's very slow from the St. Neat's Junction to the Black Cat Roundabout. And in High Wycombe, it's looking busy on the A40 London Road in both directions. On the train departure boards, there's no delay showing up at the moment. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. With the headlines, I'm Simon Oxley. Labour is urging the government to call an emergency summit to discuss how to ease the pressure on the NHS. NHS. The situation comes as the latest public meeting is held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. The first of the big supermarkets to report its sales for Christmas, Sainsbury's, has said that its figures were down. Like-for-like sales in the third quarter of the year, excluding fuel, fell 1.7%. And David Cameron will meet the German leader, Angela Merkel, in Downing Street today. He's expected to seek her support for his ideas on EU reform. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. A stoppage time equaliser gave Everton a one-all draw at home to West Ham in last night's FA Cup third round tie. Here's the West Ham manager, Sam Allardyce. We are disappointed, I think, that uh, when you lose a goal in, in injury time and the way we lost the goal. Um, so... So we're a little disappointed, yes, but uh, I'm not satisfied with the effort and the overall performance of the players. But when you get so close, you've got to be disappointed that you didn't win it. And it could have been a, a lot better for us in terms of the last five or ten minutes. In last night's other third round tie, Chesterfield, who finally saw off the MK Dons last Friday, drew two all at Scunthorpe. Steve Nidge have made two permanent signings from Peterborough. Tom Conlon has joined after a spell on loan at the Lamex, and Michael Richens has signed following a loan spell at Farnborough. And the first major move of the transfer window is edging closer, with Manchester City set to sign the Swansea striker Wilfred Boney for around £30 million. Milton Keynes, Dons and Luton are among ten clubs in League One and Two who have ruled out the possibility of signing convicted rapist Ched Evans. BBC Sport has contacted clubs in League One and Two since news of Evans' potential signing for Oldham broke at the weekend. Stevenage and Wickham confirmed they had been approached about signing Evans, but wouldn't comment further. And ahead of tomorrow's League Two game, attempt to Shrewsbury, several Luton first-team players featured in yesterday's 2-1 development win over Bournemouth. There were goals for Ross Lafayette and Charlie Walker, Alex Wall and Pelly Ruddock also featured. BBC Three Counties News and Sports. The next full bulletin is at nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to uh, give us a call. Are you a fan of beach huts? No, and I don't. Uh, horrible, it's a shed. It's a shed, and I don't understand what the big deal is. It's a beautifully painted shed, but um, normally it's by a windy beach. In, in this country? Yeah. People were queued up, weren't they? Hardy holiday, Hardy Hardy high, Hardy holiday makers camped out overnight in temperatures of four degrees to bag a beach hut for the summer. Oh, they sell for like tens of thousands of pounds. Yeah, I know. But Do- it's just a shed with some deck chairs yeah. in, right? Dozens turned out with sleeping bags, tents, and flasks of hot drink, queuing. 
up for 24 hours in order to rent one of the six-foot-by-four-foot shelters. Wow, so it's not even to buy one. Dad, Martin Church, 37, at the front of the queue in Christchurch, Dorset, needs to get a life and said, (laughs) at least it wasn't raining. Holidays are expensive. And the hut cost about 600 quid for the whole eight weeks of the summer holidays. So it's worth it if you l- use it a lot. They're not sleeping in it, are they? Well, I, see, I don't know. No. Are you allowed to sleep in them? I don't them? think so. They're highly flammable. All, so they're queued up, right? It's just for putting your lilo in, isn't it? But then it says all but one of the 31 rented buildings were snapped up as soon as the office opened in the morning. So they didn't need to queue because there's still one left over, your plums. Uh, well, you go and sit in there, don't you? You kind of take... You, you have sandwiches in there oh. and stuff. But it's on a horrible... I mean, it's Dorset, which is probably the we best. We went to of... Devon. We went to Devon last summer and it was on a really windy beach. Uh, my eyes were stinging. We had to get the windbreak up and hammer that in and it still didn't really work. And those people... Yeah, there were a couple of people sitting in sheds. Well done. Oh, man. They paid thousands for the privilege. I'll be honest. I don't mind uh, a couple of days by the British seaside. An, an afternoon, really. Bag of, bag of fish and chips, walking along the beach, beautiful. That's it. I'm not mad about sand, so sand plus wind, no thanks. I'm not mad about... A lot of the British beaches, of course, are pebbles. pebbles Brighton not... Beach? You're having a laugh. That's not a beach, that's a quarry. It's awful. Is that your phone going? Do you want to yeah. get it? It's probably... Um... Oh, wait, 459 455. It's my dad. Is he all right? Yeah, he enjoyed Frank Malley. Oh, good, good. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. We are talking about would you get involved if you saw a situation on uh, the train? Who'd win in a fight between Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan? Uh, and uh, boxing, yeah. teaching boxing to kids—is it a good idea or not? Adam's on the line. Morning, Adam. Hi, how are you? Sorry. How are you? Are you okay? I, I'm. Do you know what? I'm bunged up, and I don't know where my Vix is. I think my Vix is upstairs. So I'm strugg- I'm struggling to breathe a bit, but I'm all right. How are you, Adam? Um, I'm a bit a bit confused with your comments you made earlier, if I'm honest. Don't be confused, Adam. Let's try and clarify them. Go on. Well, why don't you justify them? I don't know what you're referring to. That boxers are fake and that they're thugs. OK. Not what I said. Well, it's what you meant, I think. No, no. Are you a boxer? Yeah, I am. OK. Well, thank you for that. Uh, no, it's not what I said. Okay, if you want to just... Uh, that's that's the, uh, the general gist of what, what I felt like you were trying to say. Of course it was. Right, I'll tell you what I said. I said, I know that this was prejudiced, uh, but my knee-jerk thought when I think of boxes is, I think they are thick. Didn't say they were thick. No, but why? No, Why do you believe this? You're kind of, you're kind of um, um, uh, helping me along that line of thought. Uh, I didn't say they were thick. I said that that's what I, be- that's what I think. That's my first thought when I think of boxes. Yeah, but why, why do you believe that? It's a prejudice. It doesn't necessarily have to come from a, from a, uh, from any point other than that's what I think. I just think that's a really shallow, narrow-minded comment, really, if I'm honest. It's, well, it's a, it's a prejudice, Adam. They often are. I just, yeah, but just, you've, got no, you've got no reason to justify That's what I'm saying. Can you not justify your reason? No, no it's, it's a prejudice, Adam. It comes, it comes from, from nothing than it's just a prejudice. You, uh, you're, a boxer. A, you're a boxer. You're a boxer. Prove to me you're not thick. Because, I'll be honest, it's not been a cracking start. Well, for one, I've got a degree. Does Secondly, it... I'm doing my PGC, my teacher training, so I'm pretty sure that means I've got some level of intelligence behind me. And are you going to... What, what age kids are you hoping to teach? Uh, college students. Right. And are, are you going to take that, that, that level of aggression into the classroom, do you think? <laughs> what, what, what level of aggression is that? The, the one that you've, you've um, been maintaining throughout this phone conversation. 
I wouldn't say there's been um, any aggression, really. I'm just quite confused how you can, yeah, just quite confused how you can label sports like this. I mean, it's just ludicrous. Well, first of all, Adam, I I think most people would would disagree that you you, you have got a level of aggression. And if if you're unaware of that, that could be problematic. (laughs) Also got a sarcastic laugh. And also, I I really hope that when you're in the classroom teaching those young people, that you listen to them. Because you've not listened to anything I've just said. No, I am listening to you, Ian. But you're not making any sense. You, you just, you, you, you've not justified what you said. No, I, you just I, come out of a ludicrous statement okay. that you're not backing up, and you know yeah. it doesn't make any sense. I mean, to say that boxers are thick and didn't say that, Adam. Didn't say that, mate. I mean, if you look at Matthew Macklin, he's boxed for a, he's boxed for a world title and he's got okay. a law degree. Okay. There's plenty of boxers who have got degrees. I mean, to say that is ludicrous. What's your, what's your degree in, Adam? Uniform Public Services. I don't know what that means. Uh, it's related to like the police, prison service, the army, so any public services and degrees in that. But so, what, what what is your degree actually in? Uniform public services. So, what? G- give me some of the the, the things. You, I don't. I, uh, give me some of the things you had to study for that. I, I don't see what that's, why that's relevant to this phone call. Well, because a degree doesn't really. A degree is not a, a measurement of intelligence. Well, a degree is a degree, isn't it? I've gone to university for three years. I've studied hard and I've gained Mate, a degree. I've got a degree. But surely, if I was, Mate, surely if I was thick, I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, no, I, th- I, I think many people do. Mate, I did a degree. I've got but they two- don't, do they? Adam, you have, to, you have, to have some form of intelligence. There's that aggression again. You get a degree. Oh, you it's not don't. aggression. Well, it is a little bit. It's a little bit rude. No, it's not. Why, why is it aggression? Because I'm answering your question. Well, you're not letting me speak now, Adam. So, uh, no, you don't need intelligence <laughs> to get a degree. You do need intelligence. Well, Adam, you don't... Of course you need. That's a ludicrous Hello? statement. Again, I can, that's I can a ludicrous qualify statement. It. I can qualify it, Adam. If you'd like me to qualify it, I can, or... No, you can keep going. I'll, I'll listen to your question, what you've got to say. It's a statement that's coming now. Um, uh, I've got a degree. I've got a 2-1. In performing, ar- in performing arts, mate. Any idiot could have got that, and any idiot did get it. I got it. Loads of thick people got it. You don't need to do intelligent to get a degree. And uniform public services, I don't even know what that is. Well, maybe, maybe it's radio presenters that are thick then, and not yeah, boxers, do you know what quite, I mean? Because most quite... people understand that. I don't think they do, Adam. Explain it to me. Explain what <laughs> uniform public... So you, you did a degree reading I mean... about the police and the army? Sadly not. No, I didn't just read about the police and the well, army. What did you do then, Adam? Well, that's not a dissertation, you know, your standard, so you your wrote, standard degree you, format. So you read and you wrote, you wrote about the police? No, I actually wrote about, uh, the young offen- about young offenders. But I don't understand what you... I, I'm going to try again, Adam. I don't... So you read and you wrote, but I, I don't know what. Uniform public services. I've explained what uniform public services are. The police I and the army. Going, but I don't understand I didn't what say the police and the army. You I said public services can be the police, the prison service, the right. army, so you did the say ambulance, the, pl- the fire did... service. OK. Adam, listen, I'm going to let you go, mate. Thanks for your call. Ah, uh, Ian. Bye-bye. There's that aggression again, Adam. Don't take it to the classroom. Don't. He wants to be a teacher. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Adam, they're proving that boxes are not thick. That'll be in the podcast as well, if you missed it. Jones uh, on the line. Morning, Joan. Good morning to you. Joan, what would you like to say? You're not going to have a go at me, are you? Go at you. Excellent. What would you like to say, my dear? What I would say is, it's much better for people to take out their aggression and having been a Samaritan for many, many years, where it's suitable 
rather than possibly on their female partners or their children. What's, do we, do most of us feel regretted at some time or other? I guess the problem is with some of these people, and listen, can I just say, Joan, uh, yeah. I, I, well, I've never, I don't think I've, well, uh, do you know what I possibly have, actually, abused people inappropriately. I used to have a terrible temper on me, terrible temper, and it still pops up from time to time. But, but isn't it's, that a matter of birth? Some people are born with tempers they find difficult to control. Well, nature, nurture, and as I get older, I'm certainly much better at controlling it. Not perfect, but I, I, I'm getting there. It's a journey. But what well, do you suggest... Which of us is perfect? Well, exactly. I mean, I'm quite the opposite way. I'm not nearly aggressive enough. You, you well, know, I find it very difficult to there, intervene. There are some... I was on a tube train, and I saw two men fighting or... It, it's a moral duty. Doesn't matter who you are. Hey, there's, there, now there's a, there's a good argument. Is it your moral duty? <laughs> Supposing you, but J- Joan, you, you sound of an age. And if you saw two big burly, I'm, I'm ninety-three. Are you? Are you really? Well, ninety. You don't. You don't sound that old. You don't sound a day over ninety. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't allow myself. Good, but if if you as I'm a ninety-three-year-old woman, well, well, oh. just, uh, just tell me something. Yes, Joan. Thank you. What is age to do with it? Well, the, 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 there is a physical impairment, isn't there, with age? No. Yes? No. Yes? No. Yes. Why? Because at 93, yeah. uh, it would be harder for you, I'm imagining, although I'm... <laughs> who knows, for you... I could take a punch better than you could. No, you couldn't. I bet I could. I bet you couldn't. Sounds like a challenge. I, I, I kick you in the balls. Wow! <laughs> 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 And I don't have any balls to be kicked. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you realise you are dealing with a rather feisty woman. I, I wasn't I wasn't threatening you with a punch, Joan, and if it came across that way, man, I'm backing down immediately. And well, I'll tell you what, instead I'd give you a hug. That well, Joan and I will give you a big wet sloppy kiss. <laughs> I don't want to stop you one is, is this, this is the first time we've spoken, isn't it, Joan? I think so. What what's taking you so long to call in? Well, I, uh, this is, this is, I was listening to this conversation and I thought if anybody couldn't cope with this individual who obviously, as I said, was a Samaritan for many years, he needs help. Yeah. He needs somebody to help him sort out his problems. Joan, I'm, sh- you're, I'm on a tube with Catherine, OK? Yeah. You're there, yeah. and I'm shout. Catherine, your hair makes you look like Elliot from E.T. You've got the eyes of a dead fish. You are one hell of an awful woman. What would you do, Joan? Well, I think I'd go up to the man and say, you haven't met really very many awful women. <laughs> Because you're an awful man yourself. Oh, st- keep out of it, you old Joan, woman. would you hold my coat while I kick him in the balls? Right, can we just leave my balls out of this, please? <laughs> Joan, thank you very much. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 northbound, it's very slow from Junction 10 for the Luton Airport Spur Road to 12 for Flittick after a three-car accident. On the M1 as well in both directions, it's very slow around Junction 14 for Milton Keynes. And the A1M southbound is very busy between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. Looking at the speed sensors in Stevenage and it's still very slow on North Road on the approach to the temporary traffic lights at Rectory Lane. It's very slow from Church Lane there. And in Hoddesdon on the A10 northbound, there's been a lorry broken down between the Hoddesdon roundabout and the Hard- 
Harlow turn off, so it's very slow there at Lane is closed because of that. In Amersham on Gore Hill, it's a very busy southbound between the A413 and London Road. No reports of any problems on the trains, though. Samantha Ruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just had a very posh 93-year-old woman threaten to kick me in the balls! What a terrible start! I've got a boxer who wants to beat me up and an old woman that wants to make sure I can't have any more kids! Flippin' heck! You're loving it in there today, Catherine, aren't you? I want to be Joan when I grow up. <laughs> Only a few more years to go. 8.47, it's Wednesday. The se- Two more years, that's right. Wednesday the 7th of January, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The latest public meeting is being held this morning to discuss the ongoing Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes healthcare review. The first of the big supermarkets to report its sales for the Christmas period, Sainsbury's, has said its figures were down. And police have released CCTV images of a woman after a 23-year-old man suffered homophobic abuse at Northwood Station near Watford. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. A chilly start this morning. Lots of people scraping frost from windscreens. We have a little bit of high cloud, but we can see the blue sky behind it and some sunshine. The cloud will gradually continue to increase, however, as we head through the course of the afternoon. The wind's going to pick up as well, and with it, some outbreaks of rain likely to arrive throughout the afternoon, particularly towards the latter end, towards dusk. Maximum temperature around 9 Celsius. Now, overnight tonight, more persistent outbreaks of rain. The wind's staying with us, the cloud's staying with us, but the temperature are actually getting a bit milder. The minimum down to six, but by Thursday morning where it's drier, we should start to see the temperature rise. And if we could start the day at nine or ten Celsius, so a mild start to Thursday. Some sunny intervals once uh, the rain and cloud clears away first thing. One or two showers possible tomorrow afternoon. Maximum temperature at ten Celsius. And that's your forecast. with everyone today, right? Why has everyone got a cob on? So a boxer has uh, tweeted me, what a fool claiming boxers are thick and thugs. Silly, Ian. I'm not surprised Talk Sport sacked you. What? I've never worked for Talk Sport, Adam. (laughs) And then Cathy Jane Keane spent most of the time turning Ian Lee off this morning. Love the girls' banter, though. Hashtag last chance. Hashtag grow up. Hashtag stop being a child that uses hashtags to make a hashtag silly point, you plum. Tomorrow night, there's an extra three county sport. We're with Luton as they host Shrewsbury in a top six clash. Now Rooney with a shot, that's going in. Luke Rooney left-footed. Plugs it into the bottom corner. There'll be all the build-up, uninterrupted commentary and all the reaction at the final whistle. I thought it was a terrific game, to be honest. I think it warmed the supporters up from both teams. Luton versus Shrewsbury tomorrow night from 7, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Ah, Steve's in Stevenage. Morning, Steve. Morning, Ian. What was that to say, boss? Ah, it's just something that's so stupid they don't even realise it, do they? Oh, he's not gonna, the, you're not going to have a go at me as well, are you? No, it makes a change. <laughs> not you this time. Go on. The, um, what, what you said was 100% correct about your prejudice, and a lot of people will have that because boxers are generally sick. It's, it's not prejudice, it's a fact. It comes from the way most boxers are brought up in normally rough areas by rough parents, and that's what makes them good boxers. They have to fight for things. Um, And a person who's hoping to be a teacher has worried me 
it on a couple of reasons. One, that the fact that he thought everyone would understand what his Mickey Mouse degree was about, which no one, I guess, apart from anyone on the course, would understand what it meant by the words. He failed to explain to you or answer any of your questions, which is very worrying if he's going to become a teacher. I, I'm Googling it now. Uh, universe, uniform services. Okay, the University of Wolverhampton does a degree in uniform services. If you... Um, let's see what it says. Our range of vocational degrees aim to provide you with a set of intellectual and practical skills to prepare you for a career in the armed forces, the fire and rescue service, or in policing and security services. So, so it's I, not... Why didn't he say that then? How could we say... I'm guessing the fact that he obviously studied a degree in something he's, and then moving into something else is just yeah. the fact that he couldn't get a job in a Mickey Mouse degree. Well, we, yeah, well listen, Steve, listen, I, I appreciate you coming on. So he's referring to Adam, who was on earlier on, who um, rather aggressively said that boxes are not thick and ugly. Uh, uh, thick and whatever the, the, the other thing was. Um, he did a degree in uniformed public services, but re- I'd, I'd never heard of it. I don't know if it's a Mickey Mouse degree or not, but if you want to become a copper or, or, or join the army, why not just sign up to be a copper or go and join the army. Why do a degree it may, in it? It may be that it's changed and it may be that, that, that you get in at a higher level if you've got Maybe. some sort of qualification. Uh, but, I mean, I wish Adam would have said that rather than just going for the uh, same point. And, it, and it's, you all know this, Catherine. I'm not saying this has happened to you, but we all know but you don't need to be intelligent to get a degree. It's a, it's, it's a three-year DOS. I did for, what I did for three years was get very, very drunk, uh, uh, carry out various laboratory experiments and watch Laurel and Hardy films. Some people just get, re- one. Some people just get really well-trained by their expensive schools and end up going. They're no brighter than anyone else. I didn't have any exams. I wrote six essays over three years. And the rest of it, we're just having a good time. Whereas I got by on brains, but we all end up in the same place. There's no point. I wish I'd have dosed. Justin, what's your degree in? I haven't got a degree. Um, I had the the option to go to university, but um, for me, just my personal view, um, I didn't want to do it because I thought it would be a waste of time. You you study on the streets. (laughs) I knew what I wanted to do. And for me, experience was more important than a piece of paper that doesn't really mean anything. Listen, I think think for me it was the life experience, the three years of being away from home. Mm. But if I'm completely honest, it was a DOS. Mm. It taught me a way of thinking that I wouldn't have had at, at secondary school level. It opened me to uh, lots of different uh, uh, ideas and lots of different thoughts and lots of different people. And I'm also mm. not afraid of certain things that are perceived to be, you know, intellectual because I know the way to tackle them. But, you, well, and while many degrees you do have to be very clever, having a degree don't mean diddly squat. Does not is not an, an indication of intelligence. And it did worry me... Uh, we, I won't go up bang on, but it did worry me because there was obviously a, a level of aggression there from, from Adam and that he failed to recognise and he wasn't listening and yet he's going to be a teacher. He I wish missed, him the best of luck as well, by the way. He kind of missed the subtle difference yeah. between admitting that you have a prejudice, which yeah. suggests that you are, you're aware of it and you know that it's a sweeping generalisation and it's probably not true for everybody, and making a statement and believing it and being absolutely committed to it. Uh, Justin, yeah. boxing, it all comes from boxing. Isn't it funny that the, 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 the anger that has been uh, prompted... I'm getting abuse from, from Adam on Twitter. <laughs> Think people need to listen to the pathetic comments that come out of Ian Lee's mouth. <laughs> You're 
Spelled incorrectly, of course. Thank just you. a Port Adrian Durham. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is an insult. Isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> what have you taken to the streets, boss? Um, I've been asking people, should boxing be taught in schools? Um, in my experience of boxers, they are certainly not thick, by the way. Um, but uh, some interesting comments on the streets about boxing in schools, whether it should be taught. Here's what people had to say. Morning, madam. Boxing for children at school. What do you think about that idea? Is that a bad idea? No, it's not. I think it's a wonderful idea. Why do you think it's wonderful? Character, um, teamwork. And some people have phoned up saying it's absolutely outrageous because we're teaching children how to be violent. No, it's not how to be violent and it's not about... um and it's about competition as well, isn't it? It's not about um, being violent. You think it's a great idea. You seem to be speaking from experience here. Have you got boxers in your family? Well, my brother boxed at school. My children didn't, but I think it's a... You know, I'm a sporting person, so I think it's a great idea. And your brother didn't go around beating the hell out of people? He was at a well... My brother, no, he did not. So... <laughs> There you go. Interesting stuff. Thank you, madam. Take care. Thank you. Very quick question to you, sir. Do you think boxing should be taught in schools? Yeah, because um, it's just a form of discipline. You don't think it's asking for trouble, teaching the kids how to how to be violent, to, to pack a heavy punch? The, the whole art of boxing is, I think it's all to do with discipline, myself. You have children here with you today. Do you think that boxing should be taught in schools? No. Tell me why. It's just promoting violence. Really? Yeah, that's what I think anyway. I mean, people are saying to me that... It actually promotes discipline. No, it doesn't. Because if children are told to box, obviously when they go outside to the playground, they'll think that it's okay. Because that's what we've been taught. They'll start fighting with each other. That's what I think. So the thought of, of your child here on the way to school this morning being taught how to box at school, does that terrify you? Yes, somehow it does. Because I don't think it should be taught at school. Because I don't like boxing anyway. I think it should be banned? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just. I might need a bodyguard to... Um, What's going on? Come on. I, I might need a bodyguard. I'm just getting so much abuse on Twitter. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, after the programme, yeah. um, you were talking about uh, a previous story saying that we should be walking through Luton Town Centre holding hands yep. to see what reaction we get. Um, I have actually been offered some boxing lessons by one of the UK's hey. top coaches. Beautiful. Now, how about we don't hold hands in Lucent today oh, and we go, we go boxing instead? No, that, sorry, Justin, that wasn't the mission. Nice try, though. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't, isn't that interesting? You would rather batter me in the ring. Yeah, yeah. With then, no top on. With mm. no top on, then walk down the street Listen, holding we, we, hands. We can get manly together in a ring. We can take our tops off. We can sweat. We can rub that sweat together. We can learn something. Hey. We can learn about hey. discipline. Justin, there's nothing unmanly about holding hands. Okay. Here's the thing, in Pakistan, right, where mm. I think, well, when I was there, homosexuality was illegal, get you 100 lashes. Mm. Uh, all the men walk together holding hands. It's just the thing they do. It's just a cultural thing, is that blokes, like mates, will be having a chat and they'll be holding hands as they walk down, walk down oh, the street. That is interesting. Let's go for a walk through, Luton, Justin, holding hands. Uh, and then go boxing? Um, what is the semi-naked thing with you, Justin? What's the problem? Well, no, I'm just saying that if we're talking about boxing today, and Ian's been saying that boxers are thick, I think it's quite important for us to go to a club. What, to see to if get, it turns you thick? To get into the ring, to, to experience what these guys do week in, week out. We, we should be practising what we preach. All right, Justin, well, let me know how it goes, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Ta-ra! See you later. 
Isn't it funny? He was he was keener to go for a punch up. I don't mind having a little bit. But I enjoyed when I did boxer size. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the throwing. Yeah, but there's very little punching of the head in uh, boxer size. No, is there? Um, I, I, and I'm not taking my my shirt off in front of anybody. No one wants to see this. But he was he was keener to um, to uh, go and uh, lash out in the ring than to walk down through Luton holding hands. Isn't that funny? Mm. Isn't that Street funny? cred. I'm getting abuse from someone, and I can't. Okay, on Twitter, what an arrogant. Willie, you'll find most boxers are the most well-mannered, most disciplined people you'll ever meet. From someone who's called Mickey Preedy. But their Twitter name <laughs> is two of the biggest swear words in the world put together as one word. Where are the manners there? Flipping heck. Mickey Preedy, let me look him up. I've just treated... I've just, it's underscore Mickey Preedy. Mickey with, a, with an E-Y. Oh, blimey. <laughs> <laughs> You can't be called that, Mickey. Oh, dear. Wow. Wow. And this fella keeps banging on about me being sacked by Talk Sport. I never worked for Talk Sport. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage, but northbound uh, on the M1. That's starting to ease off between Junction 11 for Dunstable Road and 12 for Flittick after the queues and the accident earlier. On the M25, looking at the cameras anti-clockwise, it's still quite busy around Junction 16 for the M40. In Amersham on Gore Hill, it's looking quite busy between the A413 and London Road on the speed sensors. And in Hemel Hempstead, the A41 southbound. There are queues between the Hemel Hempstead turn-off at Two Waters Road and the M25 at Junction 20 for Kings Langley. Looking at the trains, no reports of any problems there at the moment. Samantha Braff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Live, they're all coming up with Lynn, uh, who constantly sends me um, criticism of the show, shall we say. As oh, she, Lynn, you weren't listening. <laughs> anyway, your email's giving me a good chuckle, so thank you for that, love. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday, it's nine o'clock, and on today's big phone-in, would you stick up for someone being abused in public? A 23-year-old gay man who was verbally...